Cancel culture is real. CrossPolitik is on the front lines of this battle with the goal of creating a Christian television network and platform where we can't be canceled and where content creators will have the freedom to glorify God. Our goal is to create a space for like-minded businesses to thrive on this platform and to reach an audience that will not only buy your products and services, but also support your business when the heat of cancel culture comes your way. We want our platform to help you create an anti-fragile business as we bring together Christians from all over the world to tune in. With millions of downloads a year, access to DirecTV, Xfinity, and social media outlets, we are excited to partner with you. So, if you own a business and believe in this vision, then you need to call me. I'm Garrison Hardy, and I am the business development rep at CrossPolitik and the Fight, Laugh, Beast Network. We are looking for businesses, large or small, that not only have great products and services, but also understand that the cultural battle that is impacting the business climate here and now. I have a background in marketing, and I'd love to help you advertise your business on CrossPolitik. Give me a call at 208-792-1290 or email me at garrison at fightlaughbeast.com. For this show, welcome to a Thursday night special, kind of a kind of a COVID panic 2.0 special. Hey, 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 don't be saying COVID with Pastor Toby Chalk Knox. I'm the Water Boy. Get us kicked off so fast. Uh, we decided to kind of put together kind of an uh, an emergency non panic show. Actually, <laughs> I mean we're sipping <laughs> scotch. Yeah. That's how panicked we are right yeah, now. Yeah. <laughs> um, because of all the craziness that's been kind of going around the COVID. I know our governor, and we're in Idaho, a conservative state, with quotation, in case um, you can't, it case started you, yeah. doing uh, biweekly press conferences. He just started on Thursday again. Uh, yeah, he's no, ramping, literally, he's, oh. ramping, he's oh. ramping up all the oh, Corona talk, man. and he's getting all his specialist doctors in and all that stuff. So, oh, no. and I know other states have done this. I mean, Cuomo's going insane, and a car is going to drive up to his mansion and hope, hopefully, pull him off. <laughs> I hope um, not. I don't want to live in that country. I hope and, not. For and real. of course, Joe Biden, the, the masking, the vac- masking, the vaccine. Um, I just got word that uh, Canada, for people to enter in from Canada, they're going to have to show vaccine oh, um, man. proof yeah. and oh, everything. Um, so so there's, there's a lot going on. I know it's different in every state, different in every city. So we want to. We got a bunch of guests that we're going to be bringing into the show for the next couple hours. Um, we want to we want to arm you, hopefully, with a bunch of information so that mm-hmm. wherever you are, whatever's going on where you live, you can stand up to That's this right. as, That's as right. much as possible. As much That's as God right. gives you uh, the ability to speak mm-hmm. the truth into this crazy time. Yes. Uh, so we've got a whole lineup of guests tonight, including Dr. J, who you can see right here, Dr. J. Richards. Inter- introduce him in just a second. And we got Dr. Ryan Cole, who's a virologist. We got uh, Dr. J. Bhattacharya. We got uh, Dr. Vicky Wool, and then we got Nate Wilson coming in. Indy Wilson coming in. Close us out. Close out. So the show. right now would be a great time for you to share the show. That's right. Get your questions together. Mm-hmm. I'll be on YouTube. Um, looking through the questions. You'll Gabe, do YouTube? You want me to do Facebook? Yeah, why don't you do okay. Facebook? I'll do Facebook for so change. So right now is a good time to say, hey, guys, mm-hmm. let's get those questions together and see if we can stump Dr. J. 
<laughs> that's right. And and lastly, the reason why we're also doing this is because you know COVID panic 2.0. Yeah. The the first crime scene is not as bad as the second crime scene. That's right. And so we're here in and, the seventh crime scene. And the seventh. <laughs> yeah. This isn't the second one, is it? No. It's like three, it's, four, it's, fifth. Yeah. Absolutely. And and we can, can't thank our club members enough. We're able to do these kind of emergency shows because of you guys. So thank you very much. Um, so right with us right support. now, we got uh, Dr. Jay Richards, assistant research professor in School of Business and Economics at Catholic University mm-hmm. of America and co-author of The Price of Panic, How mm. the Tyranny of Experts Turned a Pandemic into a Catastrophe. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dr. Jay, thanks for being back on the show with us. Well, it's, yeah, it's great to be with you. Um, so we talked with you, I think it was last year, um, mm-hmm. about the, the, you know, the price of the you know, Panic 1.0. Right. Uh, it it sure, sure seems like we are on the verge of panic 2.0 or 3.0. I don't know where we are at. Um, c- could you just recap for us? What did yeah. we do the first time that was so awful? And, um, and answer, are we on the verge of doing it again? Well, the thing that we did by far that was the most awful is the lockdowns. It's yeah. the lockdowns, population-wide lockdowns, never been tried before, totally contradicted best reasoning. In fact, it contradicted even the World Health Organization's official guidance as of October uh, 2019 had, had concluded that they wouldn't do any good. In the price of panic, we just looked at the statistics. We just look at the case curves in all the states and all the countries, map that with the uh, lockdown dates. Um, and then if they made a difference, you should expect to bend in those curves, those case curves, about 10 days after the lockdowns. And then we would know, OK, the lockdowns had some effect. We thought they'd have some effect, but that the cost was so much uh, greater than the benefit that they still didn't make sense. What we discovered is that the lockdowns, like the, that is the government imposed lockdowns, make absolutely no discernible difference in the spread of this virus. The virus is just completely indifferent to the lockdowns. There is overwhelming data at this point. I mean, we had it, the book came out in October. We had to put it to bed, of course, in the middle of the summer. We already knew in May and June of, of 2020 that the lockdowns didn't work. We've got overwhelming evidence for this now. There's just no connection. And so lockdowns, they make people depressed. They destroy people's jobs. They mm. cause people to get on drugs and do, you know, commit suicide, unfortunately, far more than they do. Mm. Prevent dr- uh, screenings for other kinds of diseases. Keep kids out of school. It's just a disaster all around. And they do not work. They didn't work the first time when, of course, the the virus is killing a lot more people than it is now. And they're not going to work the second time. The problem is that politicians do not want to, for the most part, be in the position of saying, "Okay, you know, all that stuff we tried where we made you all wear masks and stay home and not go to church. Uh That was stupid. And that didn't do any good. We're sorry. Mm -hmm. They can't say that. And so they have to keep us on this hamster wheel, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And at some point, a critical mass of us have to wake up and say, look, this is a virus. Uh, we're going to deal with it the best we can, but government-imposed lockdowns are all pain and no gain. So that's there's man, there's so much there because that's that should be enough by itself, right, Doc? Like that mm-hmm. lockdowns enough, you wouldn't have to go into mass, which is what I want to get right. to. But the lockdowns, they actually confiscated part of our property and said you can't operate your business anymore unless right. we give you proof or uh, some sort of validation as your, you, what do they call it? Essential, essential. non-essential. I, I, I wanted to right. forget that word, essential yeah, worker. Don't Absolutely. forget that. 
Go ahead. I, no, I see you're ready to go. No, I'm that's not going to interrupt problem. you. And so, I mean, just utterly arbitrary use of government authority in which you have. I mean, and now you, if, if people didn't think it was absurd before, the fact that the Center for D- Disease Control somehow seems to have the authority to be able to tell landowners and apartment owners and people that are renting out their houses yep. that they're not allowed to evict people that are not paying rent. Right. Mm-hmm. How does the CDC have this authority? The Supreme Court now said they don't. The president said we're going to do it anyway. I mean, it's quite obvious that we're dealing with an arbitrary exercise of coercive state power used under the guise of public health. But of course, it's going to be under public health. Every attempt from now on to basically increase the power of the state is going to be justified in terms of public health. And so if we can't finally say, look, we got to quit complying with these really ridiculous things. We're not talking about violence. We're not talking about massive civil disobedience. Just if towns simply say, look, we know mass mask wearing doesn't make a difference. Locking us in our houses doesn't make a difference. And we're just not going to do it. Doctor, the thing that scared me, and this is since we're on mask, when we when I started looking at the science on masks, because I hadn't paid much attention to it before, it just it seemed like it made sense. But mm-hmm. when I start looking at that, all the randomized control testing that we have ever done on the right. effect, efficacy of masks as it relates to virus. uh, influenza type viruses yep. have never been effective. And yet, and we even saw Fauci and others come out, our, our attorney general yeah. at the time said, people, uh, for uh, goodness uh, sake, stop buying masks. The, the, <laughs> they uh, don't work right. for yeah. general public. Yeah. And yet we still were able to manipulate people to all wear masks. I know. That's what's so depressing about this. And we realized when we were working on the book, the World Health Organization, they did what's called a meta study. So you basically, it's an analysis of all the randomized control trials and other kind of less precise uh, researches, basically on the effects of lockdowns, uh, basically not letting people go to school and, and mass mask wearing. And this is the World Health Organization, three months before the pandemic started, said there's no good evidence that these things work. And, you know, now, look, if you're going to wear a properly fitted, clean N95 mask and you're always going to do it and you're going to clean it out, yeah, that's going to probably reduce uh, the likelihood some. But you can't do that. You don't, aren't enough to go around. And most of what we're actually doing with these surgical masks and cloth masks, they just don't make any difference for something that's spread by aerosol. Yeah. And they have trade-offs time for a lot of people, especially for kids who have this kind of overweening desire on the part of public health officials and politicians to get us to comply and to make sure that there are visible means of compliance, which is really, I think, at this point, what the masks are about. So, Dr. J, um, what do you think, like, it, it seems like it's going to go differently this this time around. It seems mm-hmm. like Florida won't shut back down. I mean, Ron no, DeSantis, they will not. Yeah, they will not. Um, but how are you kind of reading nationally? Uh, obviously, Biden's putting pressure on Florida. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of how are yep. you reading things Texas nationally, too. Texas, in um, mm-hmm. some of the, the politics and maybe some of the the friction policies that might come out over this next year? Well, I think we're people, at least a segment of the population is going to be less willing to comply. I mean, look, March of 2020, none of us knew what was going on. And so mm-hmm. all things being equal, okay, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're, we now understand this. This is a very dangerous virus for older people with comorbidities. It's not especially dangerous for younger and especially for healthy people. Anybody that wants to get a vaccine, which, by the way, isn't authorized for immunity, they're authorized for reduction in symptoms. But if you want to do that, you can. And sure. so mm-hmm. now we're dealing with 
with a situation where we're going to have an endemic. It's going to be it's going to be like the flu. It's going to be like the cold. It's going to happen seasonally. And so we got to get on with our lives and we do reasonable things that we can do. But we're, we should not keep doing things that we actually know don't help. And that hurt us. That is just like the most basic rule of public policy. Don't do things that hurt and don't help. I mean, it's not that complicated. And so fortunately, you know, we got Rand DeSantis, who is not going to give in on this. He right. gets it. He's got the beat on this. And I'm frankly delighted uh, yeah. that that the, the president has decided to take on Ron DeSantis on this, because I think this is a totally, <laughs> no, totally. different thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and totally. I'm hoping that some other state governors that are they're conservative will see what Ron DeSantis is doing and frankly kind of get a backbone. Because at the moment, I mean, it was really Ron DeSantis and kind of a couple of people. But the truth of the matter is very few politicians, left, right or center, were really willing to do the due diligence that Ron DeSantis did. He did a deep dive on the science. He found out what was happening in Europe and he changed, he pivoted on policy about as early as he could have. Uh, Dr. Richards, since your books come out, I mean, you've got, I mean, so much data in yeah, that book. Uh, and I mean, page after page. I mean, I'm, page, I, yeah. so, so far you're just, uh, you know, kind of making me more depressed because, <laughs> you know, no, like, you know, is anybody listening? But I guess, I guess that's my question is, I mean, how, I mean, apart from Ron DeSantis, who mm-hmm. apparently, you know, did do some research, has pivoted and changed. Mm-hmm. Are you seeing signs of similar pivots and turns <laughs> across the country or are we just in trouble? Well, I think it, it depends. I think what we're sitting on a bubble. It's all right. I think about half the population is it's there's some stage of being red pilled on the kind of nonsense that's happening. Right. But the other half of the population is either terrified or they're identifying with the lockdowns for political reasons, which is totally bizarre. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they seem to be sort of invested in that. And that's my worries. I thought, honestly, a year out, most of the population would have woken up. I didn't realize that, look, a lot of people identify with mask wearing and all this stuff for political reasons. Uh-huh. So you, it's, it's almost like you can't reach them on the evidence and the argument. I do think that at the margins, more and more people are kind of realizing what's going on. I mean, look, every, anybody that actually wants to know at this point can know what the infection fatality rate of this is and who's in danger and who's not. Yeah. And so my hope is that over time, and you, you, we just need a few bold leaders because a lot of people are willing to talk about this privately. Not enough people are willing to no. talk about this publicly. And so I just right. honestly think we need about three more Ron DeSantis's yep. and then some honest media and right. podcasts that are willing to sort of say, look, let's let's compare New York and New Jersey to Florida and see what's happening. Yeah, That's I just I just, right. you know, I would like to believe that that would be enough to move people. But the, after I've seen people reject facts that are so simple if i can learn them yeah. if i can find these things out i mean i'm looking at other yeah. folks like y'all much brighter than me why so i guess in one sense are you surprised that the panic has really crippled mm-hmm. our ability to to really grasp some of the basic information i am because i mean we wrote the book because we realized that we were dealing with a social contagion that was caused by the mm. public health bureaucracy believing a untested computer model that claimed this thing was going to be more deadly than it was. And then social media bombarding with this, us with this stuff. And so he said, look, we're in the middle of a social panic. People mm-hmm. aren't going to listen to reason. We'll write a book so that in a few months, when people are willing to listen to reason, we won't make this mistake again. Mm-hmm. What we didn't realize is that this media and social media cycle is able to keep people in a kind of state of panic mm-hmm. long term. I just honestly thought metabolically, you can't stay in <laughs> that state all that long. Right. I, it, what we're doing is we're seeing just how long uh, moral panics can persist. And unfortunately, uh, we're there now. I do think at some point 
people wear out and the evidence sort of finally there's a tipping point, but we're not there yet. We're still basically battling for the people on the margins that could go either way. Could you have ever imagined when you guys started writing this book that vaccine passports would even be an option here Uh in America? No, it's absolutely terrifying. I mean, this idea, what's weird about this is that the vaccines aren't even authorized for immunity. So why would people be forced to do this? These have been authorized for reduction in symptoms. So if you're really worried about it, get it. But this idea that people should be made to do it and that they should be locked out of basically life, essentially right. being able to get on a plane or go to the ball game or go to their job unless they do this. It's really, really depressing and it's draconian. And I think we need to fight this absolutely tooth and nail. If we can comply with this, there's almost nothing that we won't comply with. We do not want to give people who'd like to control us the message that, look, we will allow you to force us to put something in our bodies that we don't necessarily want to put in our bodies just to go along to get along, because that's what we're talking about. And so there need to be a lot of lawsuits. There needs to be a mm-hmm. lot of resistance, because most of these politicians are themselves somewhat spineless. Yep. Uh, and if they know lots of people are not going to comply and they're gonna, we're going to cause them trouble and we're going to cause them heartburn, I think they'll back down on this stuff. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Dr. Richards, has, have the lockdowns killed more people than the virus? It's hard to say. It's hard to disentangle that. I wouldn't go so far as to say it's killed more people. We do think that there are people that were killed specifically from the lockdowns. And that's part of the reason that when you look at the data, they don't seem to have made any difference. But disentangling, okay, who was killed by the lockdowns? Who, you know, what we could say is there are significant excess deaths of despair. Several hundred thousand missed cancer screenings. Mm, Right. Uh, You know, millions of kids who are basically a year, year and a half behind on their educational uh, attainment. We could say that, and we can absolutely say that the, the lockdowns have serious consequences and they don't do any positive uh, work as you'd expect them to do. We can definitely say that, I think, with confidence. How, how long, I mean, you, you're an economist. Uh, um, how long are the ripple effects going mm. to be felt in our country and around the world from what oh, happened gosh. this last this, year? I think it will be 20 years. Oh. I mean, you just, if you wow. just think about the, just the effects on education, yeah. the effects on I, what I, you know, I don't know, but I, there's clearly going to be severe psychological effects for children that have spent two years being taught, okay, these are not your fellow human beings, you know, that you need to care about and love. These are potential disease vectors and they could kill you. So be careful. Don't get near people. I think what that does to the five-year-old mind. I mean, it's really, it's really unconscionable. And those are the, those are the long-term effects. I mean, we get, economies can bounce back from depressions, but what happens when people are, you know, it's a deeply damaged psychologically, Mm -hmm. honestly, that's the stuff I'm worried about. Wow. Dr. Richards, Thank you so much yep. for Man, phenomenal your work on this. Yeah. Um, get the price of panic um, so that we can stop panicking. And uh, <laughs> and thanks for all your work, Jay. Really appreciate you. Thanks for coming on Cross Politics. Yep. Yeah, good to be with you guys. Thank you. Mm. Well, we need to get a, a virologist in here. Okay. You know, are we still online? Are we still, are we streaming? still online? <laughs> yep, they, haven't, do, they haven't canceled us yet. Dr. J, Dr. J, you know, usually probably get us canceled. But, yeah. Uh, Dr. Uh-huh. Ryan Cole, board certified dermatopolitan pathologist. I just nice. killed that one. Nice. And the CEO and medical director of Cole Diagnostics has worked as an independent pathologist since 2004. Dr. Cole, thanks for joining us on Cross Politic. Again. Oh, you got to turn your mute, mute your mic. 
I was giving Jay a chance there, so I. <laughs> hey, Doc, you look yeah. good, man. You look like you're on a movie set. Who's doing your lighting over there? It's nice. You know, I got I got kind of the mood lighting on one side. I usually have sunlight in the windows, so yeah, it looks a little good. later. So thank you. Well, <laughs> hey, thanks for coming on. Um, I remember when we had you on. I think it was last April. Oh, was that right? Yeah, yeah I, I think, think it was so. Last April, and I never wanted to have you on again. Um, (laughs) but we prevailed uh, you know it seems like uh we're in this covid panic 2.0 at some level because of the the delta and maybe some sort of lambda and maybe sort of sort of zeta or whatever (laughs) variant that's coming down down the pipe um how are you viewing this from your perspective as kind of a, a a actual lab here in idaho Okay, so yeah, I mean, Delta is certainly on the rise. Um, we're seeing a, a new circulation of this variant. I kind of call them scariants because really it's the same virus. It's actually a little bit weaker, and that's the good news. Yeah. And we don't we don't hear the good news often enough in the mainstream, obviously. Is that fact check there, Doc? Just wondering if uh, is anybody's well, fact check. You know, they're going to try, and every time I do, I look at where their funding comes from, and uh, Ooh. Ooh. I don't I don't mind. You know, you can fact check me. I'm I'm data driven. I'm a scientist, anatomic pathologist, clinical pathologist, background virology, European. PhD work in immunology, you know. But I, some I people are actually arguing that the Delta variant is stronger. Well, here, here's here's how I look at it. It's yeah. the Usain Bolt. Let's go to the Olympics. It's the Usain Bolt of the uh, SARS-CoV-2. It runs faster. Okay. Basically, it binds to our receptors more readily. And so it has outcompeted the other variants. So hmm. a couple of weeks ago, we were at maybe 38% Delta virus in the U.S., and as of last week, it was 93%. And you look at, say, the UK, where it's 100%. Yeah. It's it's simply just a, a better binder to our cell receptors. And so it tends to spread faster and it can replicate a little faster. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that sounds ominous indeed. And so it's spreading almost at a rate like chickenpox now. It's mm-hmm. certainly spreading at a rate much faster than the other variants have. Mm-hmm. So, you know, is that concerning? Well, Yes and no. Yes, in the sense that more people are going to get it, um, and there's really not a whole lot of measures we can do to prevent that mm-hmm. um, as much as we we want to. Uh, obviously, in medicine, it, it, the question becomes, well, we want to do something. How do we intervene? How do we intervene? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the good news is, if you look at the amplitude of our previous uh infections, uh, our March of last year, our summer, our big fall winter bumps, you know, Delta, because we have so many people naturally immune already, so many people who've had the virus, the amplitude each time we get a variant is going to be lower every time. So that's what herd immunity is. Yeah, it's spreading. Yeah, are people still at risk? Uh, Of course, and we know who those individuals are, you know, the obese, the diabetics, heart disease, uh, etc., um, Dr. Cole, you know, we only have one lab here in Idaho. I, I believe it's the Boise lab, uh, the DOH in Boise that can test for the variant. And, and so I've, part of the problem for me is I've become more skeptical on what I hear. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to kind of, I want to see the math homework. So when, when someone says, no. well, the Delta variant no is game. spreading faster, <laughs> I want to see like the scientific study that was vetted and by people I trust that says, oh, yeah, here's how and where the Delta variant is spreading. How, so how do we – what's the mechanics? What's the math homework behind the Delta variant actually spreading? Okay, uh, very simple calculation. We've been doing this for a while. When uh, 
we get a positive case in the laboratory, we send those into that centralized laboratory and they do a statistical breakdown because they, not just us, but many, many laboratories. And this happens in every state and they send them to their centralized sequencing laboratories. And then they take a breakdown. Okay, we got 120 samples that were positive today. They'll sequence those. So each week, week over week, you can see which percentage is going up. Right. So you'll, you'll basically they'll say, hey, we got 120 cases of Delta variant. We got 90 cases of COVID-19 standard and then 20 cases of Lambda variant or whatever. And then that's how we kind of um, extrapolate from there uh, how many cases. We, we know we have a thousand cases in Idaho. And then we kind of extrapolate there with the percentages of, of where the Delta variant's at. Is that how it's working out? Yeah, pretty much. So, so Is it kind of like the Oxford, you know? <laughs> model <laughs> the, the imperial college the imperial college so, model so Doug, this, this is hard data this is hard yeah. data this okay. is this is not modeling this is not projection this is we got a hundred today in the central lab of those hundred x percentage were this variant that variant oh. that variant so the, those, imperial, those are hard numbers. imperial college was starting with guesses yeah right right we're, right. we're starting and, with hard numbers right and they continue to do so. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Doug, here's a question I have. There's so much talk about the people who are unvaccinated and them being the spread of the Delta variant by far. Would you yeah. look at it from what you're seeing and seeing that the people that are unvaccinated are the reason for the spread or the cause of it or responsible even for Delta? I've even seen that. Very simple. Absolutely not. And here's how you prove it. You look at the nations that are almost 100% vaccinated. You look mm. at the little island of Gibraltar, 99% vaccinated, 2,500% increase of COVID day over day right now. Mm-hmm. So um, wow. who is spreading it? The vaccinated. Okay, you look at Iceland where almost every adult is vaccinated. If you look at their graph right now, 7,000% increase, straight line rocketing up. Wow. You look at, um, oh, or one other country. I would say, oh, look at Israel, for example. Right. Yep. Um, highly vaccinated. Yep. Yeah. Highly vaccinated in their ICUs right now. Seventy-eight percent of those in the ICU are double vaxxed. Yep. Uh, their deaths uh, last week in Israel: twenty-five deaths. Thankfully, not a, a big number, but twenty of those were double vaccinated. So you you have wow. to you cannot listen right now. Unfortunately. Uh, we have very asymmetric reporting in the United States. Once the CDC started tracking, after about 10,000 uh, breakthrough, quote, breakthrough cases back in May, they said, uh, we're just not going to track this anymore. Well, and the other irony is you hear the panic in the media here. Oh, it's all the unvaccinated. Everybody get your vax. As though that vax is going to do something. It's mm-hmm. not because you've got to wait eight weeks until that immunity would even kick in. Mm-hmm. So vaxing in the middle of a quickly spreading virus is is non-science. But if you look at the nations that are highly vaccinated, well, it's not the rabbits, the chickens, or the mice spreading it. It's the vaccinated spreading it. Mm. Right. Yeah. So, so push back the other way. He was asking if the unvaccinated are spreading it. I mean, in the numbers you're seeing, I mean, is it, is it just split or random in terms of vaccinated, unvaccinated, or is it possible that the vaccinated people are even spreading this more than unvaccinated? Oh, yeah. No, that's what I'm saying. It's the vaccinated spreading it equally, if not more than the unvaccinated. Why, why would it why would it possibly be that the vaccinated are spreading it more? OK, so from a, a biologic point of view, again, this is a rapidly uh, replicating virus within the body. Right. So those people have an antibody against uh, Wuhan, the, the right. wild type virus, you know, several generations ago virus. Right. 
And so once that that virus binds, their antibodies are, are focusing their attack, looking for that Wuhan strain, revving up and looking for that. Meanwhile, Delta is just sneaking in under the radar. Mm. And and so in some studies, there was a, a leaked uh, CDC PowerPoint this weekend, and they were talking about this, and they showed in some that there may be higher viral loads in those individuals. Mm. Uh, wow. So it, it, both are spreading it, yeah. no, no doubt. I'm not going to say I'm blame it on the, the vax. No, you know, but, sure. but, the, but the, the reason that they're doing, the reason that that kind of information is coming across is to make kind of this, um, this unclean in, uh, person – you know, who is second the un, class the citizen unvaxxed. Yeah. and then now you got to feel some type mm-hmm. of way and people are afraid of you because they're afraid that you might be killing people because you're unvaccinated. You can't have the key to the city anymore in New York. Right. You know, and right. So, yeah. so this whole idea, the way that they're you, I mean, I'm fine with whatever the facts are, but I just don't feel like I'm getting them. And we're using false information to create this false utopia that's going to be really a hell for everybody else. And that's the frustration. You're absolutely right. If we were honest about this, in Israel, they have a briefing every day or every other day of what are the data? What are the data? And they're transparent. In the UK, they're transparent with it, transparent with the data. And, you know, if, if you don't mind me tangenting getting COVID again, uh, like Dr. McCullough, it's maybe like one in 100 million. Mm-hmm. So, so the naturally immune or naturally immune, we need to leave them alone. If they get a shot after having COVID, they're actually at a multiple, multiple times increased risk of adverse reactions. So wow. um, I, I, I can go into how that works if you want in terms of immunity. I, yes, I don't want you- please. Yes, please. Okay. So think of the virus as a bicycle. This is kind of the analogy I like to use. Okay. Think of the front tires, that spike protein. Okay. Well, if you get a, a vaccine, you're making maybe 12 antibodies to the, the front tire. Well, if somebody's had a natural infection, they have antibodies against the handlebars, the frame, the post, the seat, the pedals, mm. the chain, the cranks, the back tire, yep. the the brake cables, the brakes, etc. So now your bicycle gets into a crash. Now that front tire's bent. Okay, so those antibodies that normally would have tightly fit around that front spike tire, now only a handful of them are going to bind there. You're starting to lose the amount of antibodies that can bind to it. Well, those who've been naturally infected and are naturally immune, guess what? They still have all those antibodies have been against the rest of the bicycle. Right. So we're chasing, you know, this little part of the virus with the vaccine. And unfortunately, even that spike in the vaccines, we know now the spike is the toxic part of the virus. And we're injecting a sequence into people to immunize them. And we're immunizing people with uh, a sequence that makes the spike. We were told that it stays in the arm after you get the shot. Now studies show that it circulates in the body for you know two at least two weeks in in countless individuals. And that spike is toxic. It causes the same vascular injury, brain injury, lung injury, heart injury as the virus would itself. So we need to stop and rethink what we're doing. Because this spike itself is the toxin, and that spike is mutating. And, yeah. mm. and this family of viruses, we can't chase this virus with a vaccine. now. And we're seeing that now. You know, the efficacies that you see claimed, uh, you know, 90 95% effective. Well, now Moderna and Pfizer are down in the 40%. So yeah. if you believe the way they calculate that, and J&J against Delta is down around 30%. Mm. So mm. now, you know, you got better odds in Vegas right now. Unfortunately, <laughs> we need to... <laughs> So, Doc, so then with that being said, oh, my goodness. So then could we and this is something I was thinking about and maybe I'm wrong on this, but could we see multiple booster shots if we go down the vaccine, at least the way they're doing it now? 
this would have to be a multiple kind of setup where you know we're, you're gonna need booster shot after booster shot after booster shot to try and get what you would get from natural immunity okay and and here's one thing to think about with those booster shots okay all these lipids that we're using in these shots we've never never used most of those lipids and chemicals in humanity before what are the long-term side effects of those lipids you know, what are the long-term side effects of that spike damage from this protein and or having that extra mRNA in your body? Wow. Autoimmune disease, cancer, I, you know, I'm seeing signals in a laboratory already that are cons- highly concerning in terms of immune patterns and immunity. Um, putting some studies together, working on it, analyzing, I'll have the data, I will publish it. But, you know, we're, we're seeing bad, bad signals. Not everybody, you know, don't get me wrong. Look, 90% of people are going to be fine. But, you know, 10% of a billion people to get a shot, that's not good. And to your point, you know, you say, okay, are we going to get a booster, a booster, a booster? Well, that's what the vaccine companies want. Absolutely. By the time we roll out a Delta booster, Delta's gone. Mm. So, so now we're on what? You know, Lambda, Mu, yeah. uh, Phi, Zeta, like you said. I don't, I don't want to get to Omega. <laughs> or, or, or maybe we're on to the Cyrillic alphabet. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> But at that point, you know, you got to think about it. So I think I think I learned this from you. I'll give you credit for it. Um, <laughs> it seems like we've just kind of like standard, you know, uh, understanding of viruses are out the door. In other words, uh, as I understood it, as a virus mutates, it gets weaker, and as transmissibility increases, death rates go down. But those 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 two principles to me seem like way out the door in all this. Yeah, if you look at the okay, Delta is the India variant. You know, we went from calling the variants from where they came to now we look at it and say, okay, you know, what letter of the alphabet? That's fine. <laughs> right. Uh, poor Greeks. Poor look, Greeks. <laughs> if you look at the death rate from Delta in India. You heard in the news, oh, look at the numbers in India. They're horrific. But you didn't take into account in the media that there's 1.2 billion people there. Statistically, Mm. Delta was one-seventh, to your point. You're absolutely right. It was one-seventh as deadly as what we experienced in the Western world. That's good news. So we should be celebrating that. Is it still a deadly virus? Sure. Should we be protecting the uh, susceptible? Sure. Should right. we be doing the things? Should we, you know, we should be testing and treating. Test right. test early, treat right away. Ivermectin, yeah. hydroxychloroquine. There's a bunch of things, of course. That are Cuss words. Up. And we're off yeah. the air. And we're off the air. Yeah. 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 Way, yeah. way to go, Dr. Cole. This is why <laughs> I didn't want you coming on. <laughs> I, I know. Early treatment works, darn it. <laughs> Dr. Cole, so... You're looking at the data and you're, as you said, you're not, you're a data person. You're, you're just going to keep reporting the data. You're going to, you're going to report it. You're going to report it, report it. I, I want to think that there are a lot more scientists, med, you know, medical doctors like yourself that are looking at the data and are going to report it and believe it. But then the CDC comes down and says, you know, we're going to extend the moratorium on evictions. The CDC <laughs> of all places <laughs> has authority is, 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 over is, landlords, is commanding landlords that they can't yeah. evict people because there's a health crisis. And, and so I, I want to believe that there are lots more doctors like you out there. What are you seeing on the ground? Are, 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 are there, is there any, turning of the tide is there any of this data that's beginning to turn people because you know a year ago we didn't know what we were what we're dealing with but you know we've got over a year of this data or or is are are you the only one Uh, well i'm not the only one i think it takes courage i think people need to be courageous i have plenty of colleagues that pat me on the back and say thank you for speaking up saying what i want to say but i can't say wow Uh, 
sadly, some of these brave individuals are stuck within, in, you know, corporate medicine, institutional medicine, yep. and they like being able to feed their family and pay their bills. So yeah. I understand why they can't <sighs> say things. There is no high priest of medicine. We're a congregation of doctors working together right. on behalf of humanity. Well, and we've well. lost this concept. Um, and, and so they're beholden, unfortunately, to the systems and not losing uh, a career. I'm, I'm not afraid to say what I need to say because it's data and, and there are human lives at stake here. And, and if we ignore the things that, well, well, you know, to your, to your question. Okay. So CDC, yeah, that's a big question in terms of the uh, legalities, constitutionality, right. what, they did. but today it was today or yesterday. Fauci says, what we need, we need a, we need a pill that somebody can take for seven to 10 days. That's efficacious against the virus. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking to myself, gosh, we already have one of those. It's just <laughs> getting suppressed. You know why? Because it's so inexpensive, effective and cheap and safe, safer than an aspirin. Four billion people have taken it on the planet Earth uh, in the last 38 years. A Nobel Prize was oh. given for this molecule. We know it works against dengue, Zika. I want uh, it. What is it? <laughs> it begins with an I and ends with an N. Now, but what you're talking about, that sounds like massive corruption, Dr. Cole. Like if that, if that's like conspiracy what, theory corruption. I, I mean, if it's if it's that's it's cheap and effective, and you know, but we can't do it because big pharma won't make millions and billions off of it. That's that's corruption. Follow the money. Follow the money. But, you know, at first, it's, at first it was about the virus. Yeah. And if it were truly about the virus and lives, if you look at the Helsinki Convention, 1964, in that it said, if there's an outbreak and there's something observational that physicians clinicians are seeing that's working, then you use it if it's safe and effective for the patients and cost effective. Uh, you know, we, we've signed on to these international conventions. We're supposed to be, you know, if you don't treat early and if you tell a patient to go home and come back when their lips are blue, you're doing harm. We take oaths to do no harm. And, and that, mm. that primum non nocere, that, that oath in medicine, first do no harm, mm physical harm, that's psychological harm, and that's financial harm. I mean, to your previous interview, that's psychological harm. Right. The harms we are doing to our society, uh, we're looking at a profession that has collectively lost its medical mind and has wow. negated the oath that it took to our patients and to humanity. And it breaks my heart to see this happening. Okay, so I, I, I agree with you on that. I've been harping on kind of like what I call the medical industrial complex. Right. You know, yeah. um, I, I was um, working on some press conferences here over the last year just for Idaho, and I couldn't tell you how many doctors or nurses I would track down and said, I would love to participate, but there's basically an embargo on us here in Idaho. We can't speak out. Right. Um, and the only doctors I could get to speak out are doctors like you, Dr. Cole. Dr. Rod Story, Dr. Vicki Wool, who we'll have coming on later. They're all doctors who are independent. Um, they're right. with independent medical. They made, their own, they made their own way. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, the medical industrial complex absolutely needs to go. Um, and, and I think you know, one of the things that bothered me so much last year was the PCR testing. Um, and I called labs. I had, uh, I had another friend call labs in Idaho. And we called around and found that, um, you know, Fauci back in, uh, what, March last year, March, April, I think it was actually April in 2020, said any PCR test over 35 are basically producing junk results. 
Now, other doctors have said anything over 30, and I've even heard one doctor say anything over 24. Yeah, I have uh, C- CT cycle thresholds produce faulty results, or at least up to 80% faulty results. And our labs here in Idaho, um, the ones that um, me and my friend talked to, were doing PCR tests at 35, 36, and some up to 30, I think 39. Okay. Um, and, and, and now... Is have you verified that too? Have you have our li- our labs been testing at that that cycle threshold at that high of a level? Most of them are. I mean, we cut off at thirty five, but it, it's a nuanced question because the test is very sensitive. Obviously, I think by by testing asymptomatic, we've created a case demic, not not a disease mm-hmm. demic. So wow, mm. we're, we're detecting what's present. But but, but why are you testing at thirty five then? Here's why. It's useful if you are sick and ha- are symptomatic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If you do sequential testing, okay, right. I've seen this countless times. Someone right. comes in, maybe sick, maybe not. You know, they ping at 34, 35, but two days later, they're down at 20. Now, you know, they're going into disease. If right. you test someone at 35 and a week later, they're still at 35, yep. they're just carrying particle. They're probably either past mm. disease. Etc. So it's it, you know a, a snapshot in time PCR. I agree with you. It's not very useful. Yep. Sequential PCR or PCR in a symptomatic patient, mm-hmm. then it's informative. But the problem is, is you know some people have strong immune systems, maybe carrying a few particles of virus. It's a sensitive test, mm-hmm. and we say you're a case of the disease. I'm like, if okay, take for example, I could test all of you and say, you're a case of shingles. I could detect it in your body. I could detect it with a very sensitive test. But if you don't have an outbreak of shingles right now, you don't have shingles. You're not a case of shingles. Same thing. Mm -hmm. You know, the kiddos in classrooms that carry strep and kids get strep throat. I could test a ton of kids and say, oh, we have an epidemic of strep throat. No, we have people that are carrying the microbe. I can detect it with a sensitive test. But if you don't have a sore throat and fever, you don't have strep throat. Mm -hmm. So we've created a false construct of what a case is. We've never done this in medicine before, and it's really silliness. Well, and, you know, you just showed me that, man, this is why it really does matter who's handling the information. Yeah. That's right. That's right. We have a case demic. Yeah. We have a case demic. Because listen to how you're handling this and the way you're working through it, you're thinking through it using objective standards on this while instead of taking the information everybody's giving you and then processing it according to what you want it to be. Mm. And that's what I'm seeing. The second, you know, doc, I, I, you know, (laughs) this kind of goes back to the same question. I think Toby asked, I I don't know who to trust anymore when it comes to this, because I'm seeing so many lies out there uh, just watching our, our government change their mind about things and change their position and watching even the CDC come out. I mean, that process that happened with, hey, you saw the, the, the some of the people from the squad, Corey Bush, come out and say, hey, we need the moratorium. And then you saw Pelosi say, hey, we can't do anything about it. That has to come from the CDC. Why can't they do it? And then she got a civics lesson. And then Biden comes out and says, hey, the CDC is going to tell you all something really soon because I spoke to them. <laughs> and you're sitting here saying, what kind of circus is this? And it feels that same way with the science. It feels like that there's political things done to make the science look a way that they want it to look to get certain things accomplished that they want to get accomplished. I can't disagree with that. And that's why I follow mostly the world data. If you look at the world data, it tends to be a lot more objective. And yes, unfortunately, when you mix medicine and politics, you get politics. Ah, yep. Wow, that's, that's right, man, it's so good. But so you know, one of the things you know, 
piggybacking off what Knox is just saying, not being able to trust people. I mean, this goes, you know, in the blending of medicine and politics. I mean, in, in this last year, I mean, it, it got bad. We got lockdowns. I mean, Gabe got arrested for singing, singing That's right. psalms That's right. uh, in our in our city at our city hall. Um, you know, you, you got BLM riots. You know, police stations getting you know burned to the ground. I mean, it's it's kind of gotten out of hand, and and it, it's it's you know I can't help but thinking like, okay, we've been in places before where the government has used its power yeah. um, in a really evil way, yeah. manipulating data. Um, and you know, I, I hate to go to extremes, but Hitler's Germany did this. Yeah, I mean, you know, they were using uh, health and medicine to discriminate from between people. You go in this line, you go in this line, you wear, you, you have your papers, you have your, you know, your gold star, whatever. And, and so I guess, I guess my question is, is with all these uh, medical professionals unwilling to speak out because they might lose their job, um, how far are we from that point where like, you know, there could be horrific things going on and we would, you know, and only, you know, you would be speaking up until you got canceled. Um, you know, Dr. J. Bhattacharya down in Stanford, there's, you know, a handful of other people. I mean, I, I'm 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 getting worried that that's where we are or where we're headed. Um, can you say anything to you know kind of encourage me? Hmm. There is a quiet army of doctors and nurses and healthcare providers that still love and care for our patients. We're not bought into any narrative. We're not political. We took an oath to humanity. We're here. We will keep fighting. Mm -hmm. And no matter what, we'll find a way. If we have to knock on every door with a pamphlet like they did in the 1700s before a revolution, we'll be here on behalf of the patient. Mm. That's that's encouraging. That is encouraging. Yeah. I hope it's true. <laughs> Gideon's army. Gideon's army. You know? yeah, no. hey, Doc, one thing before you go, just real quick. I, right now, inside of our town, our, um, our school has decided to have masks enforced in their Moscow High. Moscow High. Yeah. Uh -huh. um, Name our, that school. Our governor is starting to do press, kind of conferences. press conferences leading up to this weekly Bi-weekly or every, every um, other week. As you see this, what can? how should we communicate to our civil magistrates to tell them we're not going back to this? What information can we use? How can we share this information with them? What would you say, hey, take this and put it there in their email? Okay, so – they ask us for, you know, some of these uh, safe medicines. They say, where are your randomized controlled trials? Where's your placebo? You look in the history of medicine with an airborne virus. In the history of medicine, there's not one, not one positive trial. There's conjecture and there's, you know, whatnot. But there's not one randomized controlled trial, placebo controlled trial, that shows that masks work in the spread, uh, preventing the spread of an airborne virus. You know, if they're going to do something that's political, they have to do it based on science. And if they're not following the science, the science says, if you look at all the countries where they've used masks or not used masks, and some of those countries where they used it, the spread was even higher. But apples to apples, there is not one study that shows that masks stop the spread. This little particle, once it's in the air, it can travel 60 feet, travel through the ventilation, etc. So, Again, it's the appearance of doing something right. without evidence. Yeah. And, and that's the data frustration. I, I, gosh, if they worked, I'd, I'd wear it everywhere. Right. Sure. But I don't. Sure. Because they don't work. Have you, again, and, uh, I'm and done inviting Dr. Colon. I mean, <laughs> every time, every time you wanna, do this to me. I want to know. I want to know. Have you had a chance to talk to our governor, Dr. Cole? Oh, 
Oh, I think I'm pretty shut out because I'm not a yes man. I'm a data man. I I would love the opportunity to share data with him. And I think we could have a very reasonable conversation if he would listen. Mm -hmm. I had hundreds of doctors, the ones that you asked about around the state, say, why aren't you on his advisory council? Because people don't want a counterpoint of view to make sure they're thinking clearly. And am, am I, you know, fallible? Sure. Am I a perfect human? No. Are there things I've learned that I've shifted my point of view? Yeah, that's real science. There's no right. such thing as the science. You know, you have to be able to study, adapt, learn as you go. But, you know, there are things that, you know, are getting whispered into his ear over and over. And it's a mantra. He's, he's not a doctor or a scientist. And I'm, I'm not faulting him that. Yeah, but right, I huh? would I would fault the fact that if you have only yes men around you, you're only ever going to get the answer you want. Mm -hmm. And you're not going to be able to peek outside that box and go, wait a minute, we need to pivot and rethink this. I would be honored to sit down and have a decent conversation. Yep. We need to make that happen. I I know. I think, I I mean, the problem is, is just, they aren't going to listen. I mean, Mm. I, we tried reasoning with our city council and they arrested me. You haven't gotten arrested yet. So it looks like you're doing all right. But (laughs) like we, we tried reasoning with them for months. Yeah. Uh, We brought up the fact that there was no legitimate randomized controlled study saying that masking work. We brought up the fact that there's, uh, social distancing. There's not one scientific study that says social distancing works. You just said yet, 60 feet. The park yet, I can, go. yet I got a misdemeanor because I wasn't social distancing. Right. Mm. You know. Hey, Doc, so. could you could you I, I know you're busy. You got so much going on. So I'm so grateful for your time, mm-hmm. especially stay up late and to have this conversation yeah, with this. You. But the best that you can do, could you when you think about it, there's some crazy guys in Moscow, Idaho that would love just an email here or there. Some of the new information you might be finding that we can That's help right. distribute because right. while you're doing the work, man, help. Let us help you popularize it. Yeah, you know. So, what, how can we follow you? Are you on, do you have an email list you release? What's going on? You know, uh, I'm working on that. In fact, that you know, I've been so busy with so many interviews around the country and meetings with uh, frontline doctors, et cetera, that I finally am hiring a personal assistant just to try to keep up. I'm 13,000 emails behind. I'm rarely on the socials. I'm doing some white papers for a couple of uh, players associations for some major leagues. Uh, this. Mm that I can't mention yet, but they're out there. I'm doing some white papers for some top officials in foreign governments, et cetera. I'm busy, busy, busy. And then yeah. I, I still see 100 or 200 patients a day. So oh, I, I want to wow. you know, be with that soldier in the army helping save you know, where I can. So I will, I will get you more information because I have some big papers I'm writing this weekend. Well, the best we can help, we appreciate it. Yeah, keep, keep us posted. Yep. And uh, Dr. Ryan Cole, thank you so yep. much for being on Cross Politics. Keep up the good work. Yes, sir. You were an encouragement. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Man. Well, we need to bring in uh, Dr. Vicki Wool. Oh, we do? Yep. She's she's here with us. We're just trying to get canceled all the uh-huh. way through. We want to make sure. I'm just going to yep. keep saying ivermectin. <laughs> ivermectin. Can you <laughs> know, beep that out? Can yeah. you beep yeah. that out? I'm wondering. Seriously. Okay, so. Ivermectin. Seriously. Guys, we're going to talk to Holy Dr. ivermectin. <laughs> <laughs> and we're still here. Listen, yeah. right now, if you haven't shared the show, now would be a good time to share the show. There's so much great information here. And if you have any questions, throw them in there. I we am, might get to them. I'm looking know. right now on, on YouTube and people are fighting back and forth, but no one's really coming up with any questions. <laughs> arguing on there. You know, you know what I keep thinking about, though? I keep thinking about, there was, 
no reason for us to shut down our churches. There was no reason for churches to mandate masks inside of their service of worship. Yep. There, I mean, it, guys, yep. it, I look right. back at our old That's shows. Right. I went back to right. March. Right. I think March 8th is when we kind of had our first show talking about this. We, right. we joked a little bit about it at the end of February. But March 8th is when we start taking it seriously. And I watched the progression go up. Yep. And it wasn't hard then to find out th- that what they were doing wasn't anything that was going to work. Right. Mask, we're not going to, we yep. were hitting it so hard. That's right. Who has the authority to operate? It's amazing to me how it seems that we've forgotten the government is limited by the Constitution. <laughs> so, wait, wait, wait. wait. Let's, 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 let's get Dr. Vicki in. Yeah. We'll, we'll pick that up here with yeah. Nate when he gets in. But, Dr. Yeah, yeah. Vicki, she's online. Okay. Um, okay, good. Yeah, she's online. And um, uh, Why are we on the screen? That's she's, not Dr. Vicki. Because Vicky. she's audio. Yeah, but why are we um, on the screen? Doctor, because I don't know what I'm doing with Zoom. <laughs> Just let it happen that way. Um, Dr. Vicki Wool, yes, epidemiologist, runs Eagle Creek Family Medicine in Eagle, Idaho. She's on the board of directors for the Independent Doctors of Idaho, the IDID. Dr. Wool, thanks for joining us on Cross Politic. Well, hi there. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Mm, I'm going to eat some popcorn. Absolutely. It seems like <laughs> it has been so hard to find any doctors that will actually speak up mm. about this current panic pandemic what did what did dr cole call it he called it a case demic yep. yeah he says we've created all these cases mm-hmm. and, and and many of the cases are not real actually you know, people don't actually have the disease mm-hmm. um why how have we gotten to this point dr wool well ryan was very optimistic uh and i'm he was a little bit more Blunt, I, I want to say, <laughs> I actually lived a communistic takeover. Mm. I lived it for 10 years and saw what happened to the country. And so I'm more tuned to what's happening in our own country. Mm. And also because of the medical politics and general politics that I've been doing for the last 15 to 18 years. So why early on last year, I was one that called out the fact that we were looking at cases and cases and cases, and you don't know what a rate is unless you have a denominator. So you just can't look at cases. It just depends on how many people you've tested. Well, now we know that the testing is bunk. Reinhard Fulmich, who is an attorney in Germany, has uh, a lawsuit going against, you know, the uh, originator of the PCR test. This is the last I'd heard. The originator of the PCR test, the head of the WHO, as well as the German equivalent to the CDC because of the atrocities that they were pulling on their people. And because Germany is not that far removed from World War II, their people were very acutely aware, saying this smells an awful lot like what happened when Hitler mm. took over. In fact, the Germans had warned the United States Watch it. Look what's going on. And I think if you talk to any immigrant that's in this country from from another country that was, you know, suffering from um, the the takeover, then you uh, or some kind of a communistic rule, you will hear them really standing up and standing out saying, hey, you guys need to wake up. This is bigger than just a, 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 a narrative of a virus. So can you walk through some of the things that you're seeing where it's like this is that that deja vu moment where you say, wait a sec, I was just there. I saw this happen. Yeah. Walk walk through some of that. Make some connections between Venezuela and COVID. (laughs) 
Okay, well, how about if I do a little prediction? Um, I can tell you that there was a lot of civil unrest. There were these guys that were dressed up in black T-shirts and they wrapped them around their heads and they were called encapuchados and they would station themselves uh, at the entryway of the general university in Caracas, which is the biggest university in in the biggest city of Venezuela. And they would have all kinds of um, stone throwing, you know, knife wielding, shouting against the police and the police, because the university was autonomous, the police couldn't come into the university proper. So it was always this standoff. And these guys were not students. They just weren't. They were hired thugs is what they were. So civil rest and it would just shut down the city. Are you talking about Black Lives Matter? (laughs) No, she's no I'm Antifa. talking. Yeah, I'm talking. <laughs> I mean, it's not like you just right? described Black Lives Matter to me. Yeah, it's Antifa. <laughs> Antifa, well, Black Lives Matter. And, and exactly. And the police turned the other way, right? And they didn't look. And yeah. um, and actually, it was kind of interesting. I had a um, a great conversation with Tom Jackson, who was the ex police chief of uh, Ferguson, Missouri, mm-hmm. when those riots happened. And you know, he 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 told us what went on there and my goodness it was a whole lot like the police had to look the other way they were um they couldn't do what they they couldn't protect you know the people or the community he didn't know if he was going to send his men out and be you know killed that day and it was it was uh it was pretty nefarious and basically what they were able to do with some of these localized um well protests that they would vandalism is they took out frontline businesses that had been there for years Mm -hmm. and destroyed this. In fact, there was this one African-American and she was a hairdresser. They destroyed her business three times. And finally she just gave up. She was just demoralized, but then her property comes up and it's purchased pretty cheap. And so all Mm. of a sudden it becomes a real estate acquisition. So looking a little bit deeper as in terms of how this can be manipulated, um, it's always about money. You're but, like, but you're, it's not like you're talking about Minneapolis. Is, yeah, it really does. It really sounds like Minneapolis because that happened, right? It seems like um, people what, – what goes on kind of like on a broad scale? Why are like normal citizens not getting involved or not pushing back? It seems like we theoretically would still have the numbers to push back against tyranny here in the United States. Great question. And you know what? In the very beginning, when I went down there in 1986. And I came home in 1996. Mm. And in the very beginning, you know, it was just, oh, there was a little bit of problem. There was some corruption. The president had an affair, you know. Oh, well, now it seems like they're shipping gold out of the country. That seems a little odd, Mm. you know. And then we hear about these epidemics of, you know, yellow fever, but it was never transmitted to the capital. So there was just information that Hmm. wasn't getting you know, getting around. And um, so we were all asleep is what I want to say. We were totally asleep. And we just, Mm. you know, we kept on doing our thing. We kept showing up to work. And I was, I was, I actually went to medical school there. Um, I didn't go there to go to medical school. I was finishing a PhD in epidemiology, which is public health from UCLA down there. And I ended up going to medical school and I, I did it in Spanish. And so um, it was, we just kind of, went through and got through and, and all of a sudden like inflation, 
oh my gosh, like yeah. I couldn't buy meat this week and I couldn't uh, buy milk. And I never, in 10 years, I never bought myself an article of clothing. I was so poor. I was beyond poor. So I went down there kind of middle class and I left there, you know, totally bottom of the class. I had plastic bowls to my name, uh, but God provided. God was amazing, absolutely amazing throughout the whole thing. So we were asleep and we were asleep until the morning of the coup. And the coup happened when Chavez was in prison. It was a n- morning in November. And my girlfriend calls and she said, hey, don't go to the university. And I'm like, what's up? And she goes, look outside. I looked outside. There wasn't one bus on the street. There wasn't a person. There wasn't anything. I'm like, what is going on? She said, we're under attack. Mm-hmm. Chavez is bombed in the center of the city, which is where the little airport was. And I said, oh, oh, my gosh, I got to get to that clinic that I'm that I'm working at. So I actually hitchhiked all the way to this clinic, which is a harrowing story in and of itself. <laughs> um, and I worked, I worked day and night and people came in, they were, they had been looting. They had their, you know, ankles and feet blown off with a shotgun. They took bullets to their back, wow. you know, but they were, they were taking to the street because the people had become so impoverished. They were so dependent on the government. They thought the government owed them everything. The government was going to fix everything. And that's the exact same thing happening here. Wow. We've got a workforce that's staying at home, getting government checks, sitting on their tails because they're getting a government check. And so you'll see these businesses, I mean, and they closed the businesses because of this COVID, right? 20% of all independent businesses closed. Yep. closed and out. those are never going to open again. Mom and pop shops that have been around forever, they're never going to open again. So in becoming, you know, more and more dependent on the government and we're just okay. We're not in that much pain. I guess the mask wasn't that bad. Mm. You know, having to do social distance isn't really that bad. But if you if you go and you look a little bit deeper, like I travel a lot, some of these airports now are really kind of like scary. Mm. They're like LAX is filthy. The bathroom was filthy. I mean, the whole ambiance changed. Even then, even what they tell you overhead, you know, the CDC has passed a law and, yeah. you know, you have to do this or they'll pick you up and you could face prison time and fines. And, you yeah. know, so depending on the airport, their spiel is just a little bit different, but it's very intimidating. In fact, one airport that I was doing a transition in, actually, I walked through the TSA line and I had to give her a card that I've never had to give before. There were three people there. And then I walked through. And then they had me, after I went through, you know, the security check, You, they walked you through a little corridor. And, and I tell you, it was bare walls and no flooring. And it looked like something from, yeah. like... Venezuela. I've, I've seen I've seen that in a lot of airports. Wow. For the last couple minutes um, that we have left with you on this, I want to kind of get into the whole pre-treatment thing. It seems like um, we were talking about this, Doctor Cole. It seems like standard medical practice has just been out the door with the with this COVID virus. Like we just rejected or forgotten or whatever's happened. Yeah. We stop even kind of talking about okay, what do you do before you go to the hospital? If you get sick, what do you do? Mm-hmm. Um, can you? You know, maybe just walk us through the, the the pre-treatment ideas and things that you know have been working and how you've been treating your patients. 
Yes, absolutely. And there is treatment and there is early treatment. And just the whole notion of you have to show up to the emergency room with your lips are blue and you can't breathe before you can get treatment is absolutely ridiculous. Is absolutely um, Nuremberg. It's quality Nuremberg. Okay. It really is. It's medical Mm. malfeasance. Wow. And so, um, you know, Yes. So people need to be up on their vitamin D levels. And you, it, when you look at the constructs, nobody will pay f- to check your vitamin D level, but yet it's really, it's essential. It codes, for, I, I'm sure Dr. Cole might have mentioned, codes for over 2,000 genes of the immune system. And our levels are way, way, way too low. Mm-hmm. So vitamin D needs to be up, but you need to get good sources for it. Mm-hmm. Zinc needs to be up because zinc is important in um, stopping viral replication amongst uh, many other things. Um, but you can't take too much of it. So uh, vitamin C is really important. So what happened to all of our eating of fresh oranges and grapefruits and things that are really rich in vitamin C? That's the best source for it anyway. N-acetylcysteine, which we call NAC. Um, now, now, this supposedly is so good for you that the FDA thought it was prudent to make it a controlled substance. or Not a controlled, but make it a prescription now. This has been over the counter for wow. absolutely years. And acetylcysteine is a precursor to glutathione. Glutathione is really important in your immune system. So NAC is a really important um, precursor. And my understanding is that if you have a child which is challenged, either, you know, maybe spectrum disorder or, um, you know, slow mentally, they're even more deficient on N-acetylcysteine. So check that out with your regular doctor. But anyway, so that was a really good one, too. Um, you know, quercetin. Why? Because we need the zinc into the cells and it's easy to get mm. and you, you just take it every day. Where hydroxychloroquine functions the same way, but what's so nice about hydroxychloroquine is that it has a half-life of 21 days. That's a, that's a, that means like one pill a month and you're good with, you know, doing a lot of those preventative things. So when does somebody does get sick, you know, um, if, you know, they, they've got... You want to treat it or you want to treat it early because the phases of the disease are different. And early on, it's, you know, your general kind of symptoms, but then you get the cytokine storm. You get all these inflammatory components that are in your own blood system and it's in your own lungs. And that's what causes a lot of the symptoms. It's the damage from the spike protein. Mm -hmm. And that's what you want to squash down. So, yes, there is treatment. Yes, there's early treatment. There are doctors. You know about them. The frontline doctors have a site. Stella Emanuel has a site. site. Um, Ben Marble has a site called MyFreeDoctor.com. So there are a number of people that have. But you know what they're doing now? Geez, they're looking at, well, you can't really prescribe across state lines now, huh? Mm-hmm. So they're looking. It just doesn't make any sense. Why do we have to fight for our health? Why do we have to fight for our freedom? Yep. Why are there so many people? I mean, stand back and look at this. Why do we have to fight? If you look at all the votes that have gone on in our in even Idaho Senate and, and House of Representatives, look at their freedom index. They're they're voting our rights away, yep. left and right. Mm-hmm. Yep, been watching that. And and it seems like and what's scary about that is that we want to socialize medicine so they can be in complete control of it. Right. Because that that's going to go super well. <laughs> so yeah. Wow. Let's yeah. give government more control. Yeah. yeah. No. Wow. Appreciate you, Doc. Thank you so much for joining us on Doctor Cause Wool. Vicky Vicky Wool Wool from Eagle Creek Family Medicine. Thanks for joining us on Cross Politic. Thanks for getting the truth out there. Appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me. Well, fresh off of vacation.
or he, or he's not, <laughs> or he's not, <laughs> or he's not, or, or, or exhausted and wanting to go to bed. <laughs> Dr. J. Bhattacharya, epidemiologist, professor of medicine and economics at Stanford University. You just saw him already this last week yeah. on our Sunday special, but we didn't get enough, and he was kind enough. He came back to come back. Dr. J, welcome back to Cross Politics. Like, what did I do this for? <laughs> it's nice to be back, fellas. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So, Dr. J, what right does the CDC have to create a moratorium on evictions? <laughs> uh, that uh, it wasn't, wasn't in the Constitution that I read. Uh, yeah. it, seems like, uh, it seems like they really have overstepped their bounds, but that's... I have to say, not 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 the first mistake they made in this pandemic, right? Now, Doc, you know this is funny because the last time we talked, you told me. Now I remember this because I went back to listen to the show. It was just last week. It was just last week. You <laughs> told me that we had some good people at the CDC, and I'm just waiting for those good people to start throwing a fit. But um, <laughs> little Queen Miss Whatever I Want to Be, also known as Doctor Walensky, uh, who thinks now that she can just legislate law, isn't that making me feel like at all we have good people over there at the yeah, CDC? I, I like that particular decision absolutely reeks of a political decision. I don't. It doesn't seem like a decision that the CDC would normally make given a Supreme Court ruling in opposition to it. So, and I just, I mean. The problem is like the CDC is actually is an actually very important organization. It, yeah. it serves it's supposed to serve the public health. So when it, it becomes politicized, like I think it apparently has, it, it undermines the ability for it to do the good things that I know it's capable of doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I just read an article this afternoon from from the BBC. If it's a you know legitimate news organization, you know, that's to be determined still. Yeah. But they uh, basically, it seems like they found in the UK, although we kind of already knew this in our data, that under 18 years old, this this is just a nothing burger, um, you know, virus for them. But yet our own school, our own public high school here in Idaho, Moscow High School, uh, they're requiring, in the at least in the first three weeks, they're requiring all the students to mask up again. Uh, I feel like we've lost our mind in all this. What's what is going on? I mean, the the CDC's own estimates for mortality from this disease or survival from this disease for children under 18 is ninety nine point nine nine five. And I actually think that that is an underestimate of the survival. Wow. Because for healthy children, it's 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 much it's actually higher than that. It's like ninety nine. I'm going to run out of nines. Um, (laughs) uh, But, you know, we should be thanking God for this. Like imagine a disease that really does harm children. Differentially. Right. What would we do then? Yeah, I would have. I would have embraced many, many more extreme measures, uh, uh, but I, I think many people would to protect children. Here we have a disease for which is really, I mean, children are really, especially healthy children are, are, are effectively uh, protected just by dint of being a child. And mm. instead of embracing that and letting them live their lives normally, we have you know, stopped them from going to school prohibited them from playing with their friends, asked them to mask up, even if they're two years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I just, I don't understand it. I mean, I, and, and then in the vaccines um, for children, the, the, the side effect profiles for this vaccine for children are not good, right? There's one in somewhere between one in 5,000 and one in 10,000 risk of myocarditis for the MRNA vaccines. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and, and so for, for young, young children, that is for young, mm-hmm. for young, especially young men, mm-hmm. um, 
against the very, very low risk of harm from COVID, it's it's not clear that the math makes sense there. Yeah. Like for older people, as you know, I'm very much in favor of the vaccine sure. because of the harm from COVID is so much more. No. Um, but for young kids, I, I think like the UK, I think, as you mentioned, Gabriel, they, they actually decided not to recommend the vaccine for children. Okay. Now, Dr. Cole brought this up and I didn't really get a chance to push him on it a little further, but he, he mentioned that, uh, you know, the long-term effects of, you know, leaving an extra mRNA in your body. He said the lipids. The, the lipids, and he said, I think, the MR, and okay. having extra mRNA. We don't know the mRNA. Yeah, go ahead. Um, as, uh, that's to be, you know, still to kind of to, to be determined. Are, are you, in the vaccine, are you concerned about, like, having an extra mRNA and kind of left in your system? I mean, I think if the vaccine is working as intended, and I think it does most of the time, the, the mRNA doesn't get doesn't stay in your system. What happens is it, it gets into certain cells, hopefully mostly at the injection site, but it might in some cases elsewhere. Uh, in any case, those cells uh, produce the spike protein that then induces an immune response where the cells are destroying those cells, and then your immune system remembers how to attack the, the spike protein in the, in that way if it ever encounters the, the virus again. Okay, that's the theory. Um, there are it's possible that there are long term effects. And uh, the CDC, believe it or not, and the FDA are looking for those, um, looking for those effects, and they have not yet identified a signal for this. And I don't, I don't, I mean, it's long enough. There's probably a moratorium on finding those. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's, you know, like they have, when when they found signals, just in defense of them, when they found signals, they've said it. Like they said, okay, the the J and J vaccine has these blood clotting events. The, uh, the MRNA vaccines have these, uh, these, these, these myocarditis effects for young, young men, especially. And then they, I think they just recently uh, were considering a signal for a very, very, very rare neurologic condition for older people that sometimes get the vaccine and like one in one in millions. So, I mean, it's not that they don't look for the things. I'll tell you the technical problem. If you have a, so two technical problems, one is if you have a common condition in the in the in the population, like let's say you have myocarditis, let's say let's say heart attacks, like there's well if you're if you're older, heart attacks are pretty much more common than if you're younger. Right. So it's easier in that setting to identify if there's heart attacks as a side effect, which there isn't, but if there were, easier to identify among the young people who where the heart attacks are rare would stand out more. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you have an increase in heart attacks among 80 year olds or 70 year olds or yeah. whatever, it's harder in that statistically to find it. The other the technical problem is that uh, if you know, were talking about longer term side effects, it's hard to identify those because you have to just, the only way to really find out is to wait. Right. Doc, there's, so there, I want to talk to you a little bit about the FDA and kind of what they are. You guys keep going. They're looking to do. One of the things that bothers me, if I go to get my car worked on and my wheels have been falling off and they say, Hey man, we're going to hurry up and rush and get you out of there. I'm, I always tell them, Hey, take, take, take your time. Uh, I, I, I want you to get all this right. We'll make sure those wheels get back on yeah, the car. I don't want you to miss a screw, a, a grease it down, whatever you need to do. Y'all take your time and triple check. And I just got done reading an article about the FDA kind of putting a rush on this and all hands on deck. I, I, I kind of wonder why haven't they been moving towards this way since they've had the, the, the vaccine and, and are you concerned at all with what it looks like the FDA is going to approve with this when, with the vaccine? Yeah, I, I, I think generally the FDA's reputation is of moving very, very slowly and being yeah. overly conservative. Um, and as I think I talk, we talked last time about the EUA. I do think the, the emergency use authorization was, was justified 
because we did we did have a COVID emergency and you needed to like do something about it. Uh, so and so that's exactly what the EUA process is about. I don't think that it is justified to rush in any way on the full approval because the consequences of full approval are essentially in this political environment, many, many people being forced to get the vaccine that don't want it, that have not been convinced by the data or have concerns about it. Uh, In that setting, the, the FDA should do its normal cautious job requiring large trials that go on for a long time um, so that they can see long-term side effects and all, all these other things. Uh, if the FDA does actually end up rushing approval of it, it will undermine its credit, its own credibility. That's what scares uh, me. Yep. It will just yeah. ca- kind of like what the CDC is doing right now. I mean, I yeah, don't know. I mean, it's, <laughs> I mean, we keep, we're, we keep hitting it a theme. I mean, I just, I, the thing is, is like, I, I have worked with these folks for a while, not, not in the leader, not in the political leadership, but in the, but in the sort of the, the ground with the scientists. And, um, there are, I mean, I, I, tr- I promise you there are good people there, but sure. the problem is that this political environment, they're facing a political environment that where they normally would be able to resist it. And here they have, like the CDC, I think you've seen, have not, has not been able to resist it. Yeah. Uh, same thing with the, the NIH, I think the political environment. Why, why do we not have excellent trials for drugs like ivermectin and, and uh, mm-hmm. hydroxychloroquine and other, other things that run by the, the, the NIH? Because the NIH basically decided that they weren't going to do it. That they and and um, you know there, there are various reasons why, but in any case, it 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 appears to be politicization to me. Yeah. Uh, so and, and we just we really can't have a public health establishment that is politicized in this way. That I mean, look what's happening. Like we basically have now a a a, a, a setting where half the population, the red half of the population distrust all these agencies mm-hmm. right. well, that's about a me. failure of public health like public health is if it's not reaching everybody has failed yeah it can't have partisan divides uh I, I think the public health folks in the country need to look at themselves and figure out a way to breach that and that starts with treating every single person with respect mm. whether Do- dr J- I think I know I know uh, I don't know how much you can talk about uh, I know you're involved in um, some Cases, testifying, giving testimony, this kind of stuff, and I, I don't want to, you know, out you or whatever. But uh, no, no. nevertheless, I'm just curious. Like, what are you seeing on the ground yeah. there? And are you, are we making any progress? I mean, as a, as a, as a, a legal progress is kind of what you get yeah, at. Yeah, legal process, but progress, but even also just like, I mean, are anybody is anybody stopping and saying, oh wait, wait, what are the da- what's the data again? <laughs> oh, like I mean, is, is anybody changing their minds, or are we are we completely just um, uh, everybody just set in their ways? I, I mean, I, so first of all, as far as like outing me, one of the most proud things I've, I'm the thing I'm most proud of during this epidemic has been I've been doing lots and lots of pro bono legal expert witness work to to uh, to, to, to basically defend regular people, right. and kids <laughs> in this in this. So like, uh, so it it last year what I observed was that it was very difficult to convince judges about what what the what the constitution means what the science says i just saw <laughs> oh my a lot gosh. of judges this is a bummer <laughs> sorry i mean they're just scared. i think they were scared of covid they were i mean i don't know what it was but they 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 didn't want to be that person who said no no you you violated the constitutional rights of this church that that's been fined 3 million dollars because they held up service you know, I held a bunch of services. I mean, I think that's what I was seeing last year. This year, though, things have started to open up a little bit. 
And some of the hmm. cases are actually starting, we're starting to win. Okay. Um, like three of the cases that I worked with reached the Supreme Court on the churches. So one, for instance, there was a, 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 a group that held a private Bible study in Santa Clara County. And the Santa Clara County said, you can't hold a private Bible study in your house. Yeah. That the Supreme Court essentially ruled that unconstitutional said you can actually hold it, but it took them almost a year to get to that, <laughs> which is insane if you think about it, right? right. The, a, a private a private Bible study in a house. That's another one with churches should be treated the same as you know hardware stores or something. That that also took a Supreme Court ruling again almost a year after the, the, the these, these rulings started to take place. Um, you're also starting to see school rulings go our way. So like. Uh, the, the probably the best moment for me was last year. I was I participated in a case in Florida. Uh, the Florida governor and the Department of Education there decided that, they, that all kids were going to meet in person school all of last year. Yeah, they made that decision about a, about a year ago, and were immediately sued by the Florida's uh, Department of uh, the Florida, uh, basically the Florida teachers unions. And so I worked on that case. We lost in the trial court, but then in the appeals court won. And as a result, the the the, uh, the, the children of Florida were able to be in person all year long. Uh, I wish that were the case in California. So I think there's been some movement finally on these laws. Uh, an emergency that goes on this long, uh, where you are, where, where somehow you decide that that the, that the regular laws of the nation, the Constitution, no longer apply, that means we're not not actually a republic anymore. I mean, we, we, mm. you actually do need these kinds of checks and balances. And I've been yeah. very proud to be able to participate in in some of those cases. Yeah. Doctor J, what kind of economy do we create when we force people to be vaccinated, like New York is doing? Is that going to go well for them? It's it's a segregated economy. So uh, the, what the Biden administration is trying to do is it's trying to make vaccination in this partisan political issue and say, oh, look, uh, red America it isn't vaccinated. They're un- irresponsible. White and, and bl- uh, uh, blue America is vaccinated. Right. But the problem is, like, it's not so simple. The, the working class, many people who were working throughout the epidemic, outdoors, outside, getting exposed to the virus, many of them already had the disease and are effectively immune by natural immunity. Right. Right. So uh, uh, that they completely reasonably say, well, why do I really need this vaccine? Like, I'm not going to benefit a ton from it. I already have the the, the protection against the disease. Yeah. Um, I mean, and, and, you know, like I said, I don't think the CDC's has done a very good job sort of building trust around this. Uh, and the vaccine mandates, they just make them distrusted even more. And so, so when you say, look, you can't go to the store, you can't go to a, uh, you can't go to a ball game, you can't go to a concert, you can't fly, you can't Bible participate in your in home. Normal- life you're telling the working class people who were who actually bore the burden of the of the epidemic by working even though they were older they even though they faced a high risk of disease you're telling them no we're going to screw you over a second time uh-huh. and it's not just it's the working class of course but it's also there's there's minorities many minorities have faced the same problem right so uh there's a lot of skepticism in minority communities about the vaccine valid uh, and, and skepticism <laughs> skepticism and, and actually i'll yeah, just to be sure. clear it's completely rational skepticism yeah. mm-hmm. right many minorities like take it take la county la county the rate at which hispanic populations were infected was three times uh the the the, the non-minority populations three times mm. So large numbers of Hispanics in L.A. County have already had the disease and are effectively immune. Why should they be forced to get the vaccine when they're skeptical about whether it benefits them? It's actually rational mm-hmm. for them to, to be skeptical about whether it benefits them. Um, and, then, and then you turn around and say you can't participate in regular civic life. 
That is that makes absolutely no sense. If you want a program to destroy the uh, the, the 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 confidence that people have in, in public health and in the in and in the sort of the efficacy of the vaccine, you do exactly that. You yep. say you, we're going to force you to do this. That is a huge error, I think. Wow, Doctor J, once again, twice in one week, twice in one week. Yep. We are a blessed podcast. Yes, we are. Doctor Thank you for being out there fighting. Acharya, follow him. Check him out. What's his website again? collateralglobal.org go to collateralglobal.org there you go All right. check out his work we appreciate you Dr. J get some rest enjoy the rest of your vacation Doc thanks a lot you guys <laughs> appreciate you great to be with you take right. care Bye. thanks look at who just snuck what? himself right on in here like that <laughs> now, the now, good reverend <laughs> <laughs> the N.D. Wilson uh, now you gotta help us I'm in I got popcorn I got Lagavulin 11. You got, yeah, you got, oh, it's all on purpose, which oh. I've never had before. Gabe. No, it's it's a newer. I've had eight, um, obviously, yeah. 16. And I've had 16. 16. I've never had 11. Brother came it's in and blessed really I've had the distillery exclusive, various distillery exclusive. Okay. Never an 11. Okay. Never an 11. Go. It's nice and angry. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, Nate, you gotta you got to save us. Because like we've been having this conversation okay. for the last hour. Why don't you pull hour. that up a little higher to your face? And, and you know, we, I mean. Okay. I mean, so we've got, I mean. I think what we need to find out is where are we in the story? Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, like, so, I mean, so we've got, we've been talking to doctors all day. Where are we at in the story? Uh, I wanted to. We got bad news. It's early act two. You so that's that what, so this is, this is, we've been, we've been using your dad's imagery where it's like the first crime scene is mm-hmm. not as bad as the second crime scene. And we're like at the seventh now? Uh-uh. Which crime scene you know, is this? You know, the thing is, once you get to the second crime scene, a whole lot of crimes happen. <laughs> that was, that's, that's, that's the point, right? Mm-hmm. So like, real. so the first crime scene, there's one crime going down, mm-hmm. right? As soon as you get to the second crime scene, so it's kind of like a PCR test. You multiply it, uh. and, and, and those crimes just well, multiply. You split them out. The point is, the second crime scene gives the criminal total impunity. Because you're they now, did it before. Uh-huh. so now they can do whatever. You're in their basement in their house in Cleveland. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. now, and the government knows, and they don't care. Now, the, <laughs> well, it's, I'm sorry. And now the CDC the says the government's we, the one oh. took you down there. <laughs> the CDC says we own your apartment complex, right? And we're going to extend the moratorium. This is an order. Well, Nate, be, before you even go, I, I want to. So, for me, watching this from the beginning, I went back today. I said this before. And start watching our shows from 2020, the beginning in March. And start going through that. March 8th was the first show we did on this. And I just started going through the conversation we were having. And it just ramped up to, you know what? If this keeps going, they'll be able to take our property, tell us we can't. Um, you know, do what we want to do with our Vaccine, own stuff. Passports. They'll they'll mandate this will be Jim Crow all over again. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, we're here we are in twenty twenty one and the Boston mayor is not willing. Who's a Democrat, by the way? Um, Kim Janey mm-hmm. is saying I don't think we should do the whole mandate thing because we haven't had a good track record with asking people for papers, you know, <laughs> since late. And, you know, and then her, her, she's done. Are, she's done. She's <laughs> done. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly done. right. And, and it's Bob, just, de Blasio can come out and say, uh, restaurants, you can't get in a restaurant if you aren't vaccinated. And that's right. not controversial. So he's not done. I go right. back and I look at guys like, um, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, um, look at guys you like, it, by Bar- the way, real, real quick, you got to get a little more cynical. Me? Yeah. I, I, that More. was cynical. I thought. <laughs> I thought that was cynical. No, I, I, what I mean is sit, like, get further back, and you have to watch the things move where the Cuomo news and the de Blasio thing are happening simultaneously. simultaneously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is not an accident. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's going mean, to be governor. No, it's, it's more like 
watch like a good magician. Like you're drawing the eye with motion and yeah. uh-huh. you have sacrificial uh-huh. victims and there's outrage that you're going to channel here. The, the New York AG would be the one to slap de Blasio, right? Uh-huh. It'd be the attorney general of the state yep. who would tell him, no, you may not. But she slapped Cuomo. Instead, yeah. on the right. same day, <laughs> sexual harassment charges. Magically, she comes off the top ropes and drops Cuomo. Uh-huh. And it turns into this fervor and fight, and he's resisting and everything else. And de Blasio right. is just kind of like, he should step down. Just Yeah, just <laughs> skating through. Right. All, so, the, all the focus is on Cuomo. Yeah, it's well, all, I mean, de Blasio's, this is all just play action. Everything's yeah. play action pass. Everything's fake right, go left. I mean, it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean but is not, it but is it like orchestrated? I mean, are they sure. all talking to that each is, other? That's one person. That's the AG. Uh-huh. Yeah. The New York AG would be the person to respond to de Blasio's move. And there's no way the AG didn't know in advance that that was all going. Yeah. That this had been vetted. Like, are you going to fight me on this? Says de Blasio. Am I going to run into the New York State Attorney mm-hmm. General? Like yeah, that's not a big conspiracy theory. That's just yeah, the that, that just, it just happened. Yeah. yeah. What um uh, one of the things I've been thinking about this past week is uh you know uh, kind of related to that is we're all up in arms about the CDC's moratorium you know re- that they just extended or re re upped or whatever. But are we though? What? Well, but are we? <laughs> I'm still sipping my scotch over here. <laughs> I don't think we are up in but arms it, but about it. When those kind of things happen, there's kind of a flashy thing that happens over here. Um, it's almost like they're doing that because there was a bigger play happening down here. And so, yeah. and so when, you know, right now we're talking about COVID, you know, potential, some sort of COVID 2.0, you know, Moscow, Delta, Delta, Delta Lambda, Beta. Yeah. Um, plus. Everybody goes with plus. What actually, are, I've actually seen Delta Plus get referred have to. You? Yep. Like Apple Plus and Disney Plus. <laughs> Delta Plus. Right, yeah. Plus. That's I heard that. Yeah. yeah. We're big on pluses. Um, in other news, uh, Cuomo um, ordered all his witnesses to go into old fogey homes. <laughs> yeah, that was a bad Blombie thing. Because there was a lot of open space. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Bars. What, but like with this new Delta talk going on, I feel like it's a distraction. Yeah, it has nothing to do with anything. But what's the play? what's what's the what's the real play? It's the next play action. There's like it is the right. whole point is it's the next play. They're running the ball. They just the keep progressing time. further down. That's all yeah. you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Here so, we go. Where are you going? The but, thing is, if you sold the farm in March, yeah. it's still sold. It's it doesn't sold. matter. They yeah. can just do whatever. So and that's not what bothers me though. So I agree with you with that. Like that's absolutely right. My problem is not that. That's the play that's being run. It's that, like I was saying earlier, Alexander Shosenitsyn, um, Bonhoeffer, they couldn't get people to wake up to see what was coming and what, what is right. happening, where they were at. And here we are kind of in this yeah. same era again. Yep. And we just got done. I keep saying this. I'm almost tired of hearing myself say it. We just got done coming from this 60 years ago. And everybody's jumping and screaming right back to segregation again. And and no one's Vaccine, unvaxxed. No, hold, hold on a second. It's even more overt than that Mm. because what de Blasio just did in the most Jewish city in (laughs) America Uh is create ghettos Uh Mm -hmm. and he like the traditional Warsaw ghetto Mm -hmm. is what he just did. You better preach. Mm -hmm. And that's, and the fact that that's black markets. Right. right, right. Yeah. No, it's prohibition and ghettos all at once. So do you think the Orthodox communities are going to be complying? No, (laughs) no. 
They weren't complying with the first no. shutdown. Uh-uh. Remember no. that video that that, that guy, that guy, the, the, co- guy, the yeah. cops yeah. came into the Jewish house. Yeah. So, but so, so what's what is, what is he doing? He's trying to cut them off economically. And every neighborhood and every group, every population center he has in the city, is being cut off economically from the rest of the city. Mm-hmm. And that's a ghetto. Oh. Yeah. But it's not just slang ghetto like this is right. we're I, I, in the ghetto we right. mean like we officially put up barbed wire and you're not allowed to leave this and it, area and it ends up with both both ways in some ways because you end up with this distrust going both both directions yeah well the or abu- do you mean the just ab- the whole city what i mean the abuse only goes one direction so you'll have black neighborhoods mm-hmm. that only function inside that black neighborhood black economies again by law Yep. They are not allowed. You'll have Jewish neighborhoods that are only allowed by law mm-hmm. to function inside their own neighborhood. And that's that's functionally exactly what the fascists did in occupied cities. So we got it's this the way you do it. What is the macro? Uh, th- there's definitely some macro things going on here. Like Ron DeSantis came out today just swinging. Oh, which yeah. Is, which no, is fantastic. Ron, Ron's on the campaign trail. Yeah. No, he totally is. He totally is. <laughs> He's um, channeling a little Trumpism. I have a love-hate relationship with him. Uh-huh. Because he know? shut things down in the opening. It's not just that, though. He's he's doing the same move that it's they're kinda, doing. It's kind of political. Yeah, it's yeah. it's political. And he's yeah. using the same sort of, instead of promoting a culture of freedom. He's trying to he's say, using, no, you can't, businesses can't tell their people to wear masks. So he has, so I, yeah. but at the same time, I see him doing stuff like, no, Mr. President, I'm not going to get in your, get right. out of your way. I'm going to protect my people. And I see this lovely picture of imp- interposition that I'm like, yes, I love that. But could you not force businesses to do one thing or the other, but just let them decide on themselves what they want to do? So DeSantis has the – he at least has the credibility to have said, we tried that. And it didn't work. It didn't work. Uh-huh. Now, like, okay, that's better than most people. I, yeah. I still don't like yeah. it. Yeah. But what you have here right now is you have a bunch of people, I think, worldwide and in our country and in our churches and in our community and among your listeners – <laughs> a bunch of people who all want to focus on other stupid people mm. and not their own absolutely pathetic weaknesses. Well, thank you for uh, being on Cross Politic, Nate. Thank you. <laughs> you can go back to wherever it was you just is, came from with that. <laughs> I think about how how many people can say, I didn't even flinch at all. Yeah. Not even a little when they, when they when they yelled boo mm-hmm. the first weekend and the mm-hmm. second weekend and the third weekend. And there was no bread on the shelves. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. didn't flinch. Mm-hmm. I did not flinch. At no point did I kind of jump. And, like, we're like a bunch of kids on the couch where, you know, some scary scene comes on the movie and everybody flinches and everybody's like, you were so scared. I wasn't scared. <laughs> You're a moron. And someone's like, turn it off. And, like, <laughs> like scaredy cat. And it's yeah. like, you were scared, too. You jumped. Yeah. Billy, yeah. you jumped. And so I look, I look around at conservatives, so-called. I look around at yeah. all the people who want – they want to be. I mean, DeSantis uh, be, jumped. He, he no, shut 100%. down for him. He jumped. So it's like so. If you, yeah. I want everybody to just straight up own it, like own yeah. your flinch, mm. own your mm-hmm. jump, mm-hmm. own that vacation you canceled on your kids, own that Ooh. decision not to have that dinner with family, own mm. own your bailing on worship that one Sunday, mm-hmm. you little putts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like wow. You know, it's like uh-huh. you better own it because uh-huh. you have the same little flinch mm-hmm. that everybody else had. It just mm-hmm. that now you're proud of yourself because you're tired of it. Yeah. Which frequently can just come out of laziness. It's like, it's not, what's the difference? Like the the, the yeah. fire of your courage is That's coming right. out of sloth yeah. as mm-hmm. opposed to That's like, right. this is a pain and I, I hurt now. Can I please be done? Mm-hmm. What's the difference in fruit that comes from owning it 
and just kicking because you're mad or you're tired or you're lazy. Well, what we have right now is a, I think way before the election, I told you Trump is a proud man. And so there's likely going to be yep. some kind of, I, Oh, I know. I remember <laughs> yeah. that, but yeah. that goes for everybody. Mm-hmm. And I can say that all of us need to be honest about ourselves and about our country and about our people and our communities mm-hmm. and everything else. And I would say that I have, my mic is going up and down, but it's not because I'm moving my head. I promise. <laughs> um, no, it's got a gate on it. Yeah. It's uh, I wildly, I had, I had too much pride and I wildly overestimated Americans. You did? Yeah. Me too. Wildly. I yeah. think I did too. I still do like, probably. What? That's probably my, the problem with my question yeah. is that I still yeah. overestimate. And just realizing like, whoa, I had a much higher opinion of us. Pride, huh? Than yeah. this. And it's not, not like an idolatrous pride. But no, man, right. I just, I just thought that we were way better than this. <laughs> and I feel like I'm watching the U.S. men's track team just get spanked <laughs> over and over Stars. and over again. It's the same Stars. deal. Yeah. So yeah. It's like, well, men, are, are women know how to battle. And yes, some of, and right. some of our guys do, right? Yeah. But I mean, the only the only conservative politicians we have in Idaho are women, apparently. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, well, it's just we're a joke. We have been a joke for a very very long time, and then now we have a stress test. It's mm. a fire, and this is incidentally a side note. This is a fire drill. This is not even the real thing. We're not even we're not even to game right. time yet. Right. This that's is right. the this is the fire drill. And that's the terrifying part. So, so I, I part of I, one of the conclusions I've come to this last year is that I think we're entering in like some sort of cold war um, where, you know, I mean, you see Ron DeSantis fighting. You see, um, you know, telling oh, Biden to get out of my state. Oh, it's going to be it's a hot war, Gabe. It's going to be a full on hot war. Yeah. Uh, no, I think it's going there. It's just like everyone is kind of starting to, I think, you're just, find you're their just ranks. Saying, you're just saying we're not shooting yet. Yeah, no, right yeah, now it's not. No one's. It's not bloody yet. Um, yeah. Al- although, how many? How many um, capital cops have killed themselves? Yeah, four. Yeah, no, it's horrible. It's allegedly. Horrible. Yeah, right. Allegedly, Hillary Clinton was in town. <laughs> four. One of the weekends. How many more are they? Yeah, are there, and mm-hmm. are they all in other countries at this yeah. point? And can they testify? Um, I mean, four, four. Right. I know. I know. What, what do you make of that? I make that there's four. And if- <laughs> And if any of us were watching a Will Smith movie, we would know exactly what to make of it. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that's going on here. Is just, <laughs> Enemy of the state come yeah. to mind at all. <laughs> but, like, how dumb are we? And the, the thing is that we so believe nihilistic Darwinism that we think everything's a coincidence and we never want to draw any conclusion. But there's an author, and he's writing a story. And there's characters, and they're trying to write stories. And, well, they, have, and they have the nerve to push their chips right out front and just dare you, just dare you to say the absurd thing. So, um, you really think we're murdering our own cops? Yeah. <laughs> right, well, right, so, right. but one of the things I was thinking about was, okay, we've, you know, um, the government's been screwing its citizens for a long time. The government's been telling its companies and businesses to, to yeah. you know, shut down, zoning which is codes. Another, which is, and this is uh, another thing, which is another way of saying people screw each other and have been always. Right. right but people wh- in power do it. Right. But why all of a sudden am I, I, I feel like something switched in me where I feel like, okay, this is far more like warish, cold warish than, you know, in 2019, I wasn't thinking that way now, but in 2021, I feel like, okay, I feel like we're heading into um, a real conflict in our country. Yeah. Well, you look at the little Arizona tussle with right. Merrick Garland. Yep. And now the DOJ is investigating Phoenix cops. And they're flexing in Arizona, and Arizona is saying, "Show up here, and we'll put you in an Arizona prison." And yep, 
Merrick Garland is saying anybody, any government official who investigates an election, right, could yeah. do a year in, you know, in the clinic. And like a hundred thousand dollar fine or something. Crazy. It's a thousand, yeah. but a thousand dollar fine per offense. But yeah. the offenses are like examining a ballot. So yeah. if you examine a bunch of ballots, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, millions of dollars. Yeah. Okay. So, so it's, anyway, it's it's wild right now, and when you have. Arizona flexing on the Department of Justice and the DOJ flexing back on them. I think you're you're not in like – there's not just cold wars and firing wars. Yeah. Not just cold wars and shooting wars. We're in like a wrestling match. Mm-hmm. And, we, and it's not like it's a – it's a physical fight. We're in a physical fight. It's hot, but we're, it's not lethal yet. Yeah. Mostly. Is it a women's wrestling match? <laughs> only, only if we win. Only if we get the gold. So, <laughs> so with that being, I saw you complaining about that. By the way, and I was like, man, I like her, and I think God likes her too. <laughs> <laughs> we I think so too. I thought I, so. I too, think yeah. she's probably a great woman. I just don't think she should be wrestling. Yeah, but. But so here, we're going to go down a whole. Yeah. We'll never get to I want to ask. That's been a week long conversation. So Nate, with that being the case, there's a lot. I've I've seen people make decisions about the next ten, fifteen years, twenty years, based off of what happened in the last year. Um, everybody's kind of shifting and saying, I probably need to be somewhere where it seems like I have a community and a culture right. that I can thrive in right now, and a lot of people didn't move. Because they're still wondering if it's going to be that way for them, or if they have an opportunity yeah. to go somewhere. But they just want to be the last ones eaten. So they, they, so but so you're saying, and I was a little concerned about like, should should you tell people like, you better get out. Like, it's time to move. It's time to find your people. It's time to start building there. It's time to find a church that was at least that came back and repented, and commit yourself to them for the next forty years, fifty years or so. You know. Um, what's the move for somebody right now who like who is living in New York, who are facing those kind of mandates or in some sort of city where it's like they see it coming. Um, their work and their lifestyle is a, a they are working for the government in some way as a contractor in some way. What's right. the what's the, what's the move? I think it is going to be different for every single person. Yeah. Because every single person has a different altar. It's like, where, where's your altar and you're sacrificing being in that place, you're sacrificing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are you sacrificing and to to whom are you sacrificing? So are you sacrificing the safety of your family? Are you sacrificing the education of your kids? Mm-hmm. Uh, or are you sacrificing worship? kids? Uh, yeah, kids, period. Yeah. Are you sacrificing them and on which altar to whom? Mm-hmm. We are all supposed to be putting everything on an altar. Kids, you know, family, jobs, everything, all the time. Which altar to whom? Mm, that's good. So if you are in D.C. and you're in D.C. because you are sacrificing and you don't want to be in D.C. Like, I'm not here because I love D.C. I'm not here because I love power. I'm here because I'm sacrificing. Right. I'm sacrificing, but I'm sacrificing to God to be here. Like, this is, I'm obeying. I'm being obedient. And I would much rather be off in some little, you know, Mayberry place where the cops all, always tell the truth. And... <laughs> What's, that, that what's the what difference between like sacrificing your kids to the public school system versus you know genuinely giving your kids over to God, sacrificing them to God? Um, well, they're because, both a sacrifice. Well, yeah, but you're sacrificing ultimately when you're looking at how fatherhood works correctly. It's when you're laying your life down for your people. Mm-hmm. You know, you took you took a wedding vow. It's like you took a vow. Are you living like that? Are you living like that towards your wife and towards the fruit of that union? Mm-hmm. Like that's, are you laying yourself down? 
And are you doing that because God wants you to? Mm-hmm. Like, that's what it looks like. So you focus on your own body getting up on that altar, and that's what you're doing. You're doing Amen. it to God, but you're doing it to God for, for these yep. people because yes. God told you to. That's right. If you, so I have, I mean, it'd be very easy for me to go just work in L.A. or New York or Nashville. Mm-hmm. I really those three. I mean, I could go anywhere with my job, but those three places, there would be lucrative opportunity. opportunities. Yeah. And if I did that, I'd be taking my daughter's senior year. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, let's go. How about you sacrifice? Mm-hmm. You know, dad, like, for dad's career. Yeah, you're going you're gonna to sacrifice for dad's career. You're going to sacrifice for dad making more money. Uh, and that's just selfishness. And that's the wrong altar to the wrong person. So it seems like also one of the ways you evaluate that is when you're putting everything on the altar to God, uh, the things that you, you sacrifice to God, God raises up. There, there's fruit in that sacrifice. Now it's not yeah. immediate. It's not, yep. it's not, you know, tomorrow necessarily, but you, you see the fruit of obedience to God. Yeah. And, and whether you're in, if you're in DC and it's in obedience to Christ, you're going to be, it, it may be hard. It's not your favorite place to be. But you ought to be seeing fruit, seeing like evidence. Christ is here. God, right. God has, has me here. And I'm con- utterly convinced of that because these are the evidences of that. This is the fruit that's yeah. coming from that. That's, and it, you can tell very, very quickly, you can tell whether or not you are not supposed to be there. Right. Like I'm telling myself I'm supposed to be, I'm supposed to be here. Right. Uh, but the consequences, the things that are happening would all make God a liar. God's not keeping his promises. Right. If God's not keeping his promises, you're in the wrong place or doing the wrong thing. You're not, you're not obeying. You want to get, you want to get under that blessing. Yeah. Yeah. And you get under the blessing when you are wherever Christ would have you be. Mm -hmm. And when you're, when you're, when you're with Christ, when you're standing with him, then you're exactly where you you need to be, where you, where you ought to be. And, and it's hard frequently because it's frequently, it's cross. You're following him and it's a cross. Mm -hmm. It's a sacrifice no, no matter which way you go. But if you're there with Christ, there is deep peace, there's deep joy, and, and his blessings on it. Sure, but then you can even there, I have, I have a number of friends who have told me they're, they're on a mission, right? right. They yeah. are straight up Blues Brothers on a mission from God, mm-hmm. and that's why I am where I am. Right. I am here. My kids are not in a good school because I'm on a mission from God. Yeah. That bad school is my, is my yep. God's fault. Yep, right. Um, and they just and that's they, but that's not the blessing of God, right? But they can be happy. Yeah, they can have that. They can have faux joy, right? And then I come back around and we have lunch, and somebody's like, "Yeah, he's lost his wife and his kids." Right. Mm-hmm. You're like, "Oh, so <laughs> that's not joy." So maybe not a mission from God. Then I mean, is, this, <laughs> is this the "I told you so" moment? Do I say "neener neener" when somebody shares yeah. that with me? It's like right. no, but I mean, like I'm scrolling back through conversations in my head five years ago when right. this guy was assuring me, "No, God this, wants me here. I'm here because God wants me here." Right. That's BS for most of us. Mm. So, so, yeah. Nate, so I'm as I'm as rooted as I could be. Like, if you think about somebody who has roots in a community, right? Mm-hmm. I have roots in this community. Mm-hmm. I am wide open to going anywhere. Yeah. Like I'll mm-hmm. I'll go wherever. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I'm supposed to. That's mm-hmm. why I'm, that's why I'm here. Right. But the instant I think I'm supposed to, I'm not going to be staying here out of some sentimental or emotional attachment right. to my family, which would be the wrong altar. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I want that generational legacy. I want that generational blessing. But I, I want the real version more than I want uh-huh. one locality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'll hit the road the instant I think I'm supposed to. Right. Um, before we go, last thing, 
Unless it's a Delaware. <laughs> anyway, sorry. And, and the guy's like, Delaware. It's <laughs> a Biden joke. You heard it, you heard it here. Um, just the way you see things panning out the rest of the year, What where do you see things going before we get to December? I think a whole bunch of people are going to be very angry, and they're all going to be talking about how it's not fair, and this isn't their fault. And then we're going to get another big whooping. <laughs> Ooh. Because that's like that's all the conservative resistance right now. It drives me nuts. Right, it's like, I, it, yeah. it's like fingernails yeah. on a chalkboard. No one's responsible. Yep. It's not fair. That's right. Oh, shut up. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's we not, didn't vote for Biden. It's not fair. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, I want this to stop, please. Just yeah. make it make it stop. It's not my fault. It's not fair. I was a good little citizen, but now I'm angry and irritated and annoyed because I have no principles. And this is just the flesh responding. And there's no, so there's no I, have, I have a lot of very liberal, you know, people I work with and friends who I have more respect for, a lot more respect for mm-hmm. than I do for a lot of conservatives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because all that's happening with the conservatives is the an outworking of their personality and the personality flaws, their mm-hmm. laziness, frustration, you know, anything like that. Versus a lot of the liberals I work with who actually have principles. And I might disagree with their principles, but they're applying their principles. Yeah, yeah they are. I'm and also, I'm also could be genuinely afraid if their principle is the yeah. government is supposed to save us from threats. Yeah. Right. I'm not a theocratic libertarian. I'm not a conservative. I'm not a constitutionalist. I think mm-hmm. the government ideally will pay for all health care and keep us safe. Right. Well, they're, right. Be, they're being principled. Yeah. The mm-hmm. left is being far more principled. Inconsistent. Yeah. And consistent than the right is. And so I, I have trouble with all of the whining from the yep. right. Yep, 100%. About the shutdowns. And I, I want to look at them all and say, you flinched on the couch. <laughs> you totally did. You totally did. Yeah. And now, now that you're tired, now that you're frustrated. Now that's overbearing You're acting you. out of anger and frustration and weariness. And yeah. while I might want a bunch of people to do that, mm-hmm. I don't have any respect for them as individuals. And that See, doesn't, and that doesn't like actually the, go well. You don't actually no, end up with never, freedom. No. Well, you know, yeah. And I actually feel like I think that's the ones that are the loudest. But I feel like the large majority of them would go back and crawl underneath the rock anyway. Or flinch again. You know, or flinch yeah. again. Like, I just don't feel like they wouldn't flinch again. I feel like if they would crawl right back under the rock, mm-hmm. because it's like, it's like if, when you're out Stop there. Stop their church. When you're out there with your boys. Go online. And somebody comes and jumps y'all, the ones who were swinging with you are going to be the ones who were swinging with you. <laughs> and the ones that went and hide, and then when they start running, like, yeah, you better not come back here. It's <laughs> like, stay out. <laughs> like, punk, when they done, I'm dealing with you. Because yeah. you was, you know what I mean? Well, that's, so, but see, that's where, I'm, that's where I am. That's exactly where I am right now. Where, yeah. When this thing happened, I did not modify my behavior right. at all from right. day one. In that community, yeah. it was kind of hard not From to. We had a different peer pressure here. One. We had we had a different peer oh, pressure hey, here. Hey, we went. We our church went virtual. Yeah, we shouldn't have. Yeah, that was a mistake. I felt like that. We that I, was I that submitted. Was a mistake. I and, submitted, but I but felt we like did. That. But we did it briefly, and I made. I was able. I fought and made sure that it was illegally produced. <laughs> Yeah. Like, that's all I could get. It was like, we, we cannot. <laughs> How illegal can we be at this? We cannot color inside these lines. And it only lasted for two weeks. The thing is three. Three Sundays. Three Sundays. Yeah. yeah. And then it was a whole big showdown about the drive-in thing. And yeah. it's not like, it's all good people. It's not. Yeah. It's not like there's a big fight between individuals. It's just that we have a bold church. Yeah. We've, yeah. we've had a strong church and we went virtual for three weeks. And yeah. I am embarrassed by that. Yeah. You know, it's like, that's mm. those three. Yep. I'm embarrassed. But even even uh, the and only thing I hang my hat on is like, okay, we were deferring to the government because we thought they had some 
legal basis for being involved in this moment. And yet, I knew they didn't. But don't they? Doesn't the government have a? No. Uh, if there's a outbreak, they can quarantine. To lock, lock up healthy people. Yeah, Come no, on, no, no, no. preach my sermon, yeah. Nate. I agree. I agree no. that. Preach my no. sermon, Nate. One of those things. Uh-huh. I, I just had. I just had a, oh. a meeting with friends. We have a, a project together, and popcorn taste. Better. Friends were saying, like, listen, at I at the beginning we didn't know, and I was like, I did. Yeah. I like you didn't, you joker, but I did. But uh-huh. it didn't even matter what we knew, other than the fact they didn't have the jurisdiction on the, on the to So the thing is, it got right. what got confusing yep. was we didn't know whether or not the virus was going to be Ebola. Right. Right. We didn't know that. But, but we, by, by we knew, at that point, we but, didn't but, know. But by that first weekend. We didn't know if it was going to be Ebola. We didn't know if it was going to be the Black Plague. I knew it wouldn't be because same reason I knew Y2K wouldn't happen. Oh. But that's not what I knew. What I this knew- is not a condensed moving picture show. This is a big, long thing. It's not. This is not a cheap Hollywood movie. But I just knew what their jurisdiction was, right? And what they could and could yeah. not do. That's what I was. So governmentally, I knew yeah. they couldn't do. That's that. what I was. Yeah. That's now, what my thing was. The elders now, and I will say, our elders. We're very clear about they have the right to make that decision. This yeah. is our authority. And, that, right. now, and I appreciated all that, and I have no disagreement with that. Yeah. But still, it was like, oh, man. Yeah. yeah. We so, flinched. We flinched on the couch. Ooh. So, all right. But all right. Nate, now, Nate, Nate, brief, briefly. So, so, but underline for us, why is it important to make that point? Why is it important to say you flinched on the couch? I mean, because, you know. Because it would be the, really, really easy for us, mm. for for me, for you guys, for cross politic, you know, for you three amigos to be all braggadocio and whiskey yep. and cigars and like, mm-hmm. yeah, we're you know, we're, we roll just balls out swinging all the time. We're we're down to brawl, and it's really important for our own pride. We don't give into our own pride that we don't start faking something. Right? Mm-hmm. It's like no, we're that's right. We're as strong a community and as great a session as there is in the country. Mm-hmm. Like, and we know that so. How important is it for that group to acknowledge we flinched? Mm-hmm. Like, oops. All right. No. Okay. Only a little bit. Yeah. We did do go virtual, and that production of that virtual service was contra the law to make the point that we established in print where we said this is our decision, yeah. not the government's decision. And we proved it by ignoring their guidelines and yeah. how we went virtual. Yep. So I'm really grateful for those things. But we we still mm-hmm. – mm-hmm. We still flinched, and we really need to own that. That's a good word, man. So that we have like humility it. and honesty. Yeah, yeah. Like we have and to be. We have to be honest about our own mistakes. Yep. Yeah. First, and everybody in the whole country needs to do that. Every conservative Amen. who's just mad and like scratching the chalkboard. Amen. Own your own mistakes to your own kids, to your wife. Yeah. Own that first, right? Before you even dare getting upset. And that's the only way you're going to see clearly. Yeah. So if we want to move forward, we want this place to be a different place. We can't be clouded by our own pride, by our own right. ego. Right. So that's right. If I can't say into a microphone, "Oops, we screwed up. We shouldn't have done that." Yep. Yeah. Then I'm already in prison. I'm just in prison to my own pride. And yeah. so, and so much of so, so what we talked about tonight was why won't the government do that? Yep. Why won't doctors do that? Why won't they, CDC do why that? Why won't they own what they did what, wrong? You yeah. mean like we're why doing? Why won't they humble themselves? <laughs> Science is dynamic. And and. <laughs> And science is a living document. And the, uh-huh. like the, Constitution. Yeah, and the yeah. answer seems to be that the world is not going to do it until the church does. That's right. right. I mean, they're not going to do it if we don't. If we don't show them how to humble themselves. No. How to- the, number of, the number of guys I watch try to like retell the story. We all do this, by the way. Yeah. When we do something embarrassing, we screw up. We make a mistake, whatever. We get rolled. You know, we get laid out on the football field or at work, whatever it is. 
we always want to look around. Somebody trips in the mall. The first thing they do is look back. They get up and look back and like, what tripped me? What was that? It's like, <laughs> it, couldn't, own, it couldn't be that their feet own, didn't work. Your own stupid feet. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, but we all, we, you watch that. Like, oh, they, everybody looks down. Like, what was uh, like, something, no, something. that was you, you chump. So yeah, that's funny. We all do that. And we all want to blame the other guy. We all want to mm-hmm. say, oh, I didn't. The sun was in my eyes. The wind, whatever. Yeah. The woman you gave me. It doesn't matter. My uh-huh. wife was freaking out. You know, yeah. we have all the excuses in the world. But what we have to do is just own it. Own it. Own it. And I got own it. I got one last question no, here. When, Nate, when, Nate when is, we have, when we have owned it, then we can, you know, try to help the whole culture. Yeah. Um, you who are spiritual, go everything. restore those who are not being spiritual. Yeah. Um, we've asked you this question before, but like in this moment, if if you were governor of Idaho, what would you be doing right now? Are we still in a state of emergency? I mean, right now, you're like governor of Idaho, all this no, stuff. Ron DeSantis. I mean. We're still, not right now. It's like, right. So I would seize all federal land and give it to the tribes. <laughs> you, you've given me that answer before, but yep. I'm, and I would do it. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Why? Because it's stolen land, and it was stolen by the USA. So, like, you know what, here, and now there's, it, varies tribe to tribe and different treaties. Sure, sure. Who broke what. Yeah. But why is that the play? Why is why oh, that one? Yeah, we got COVID going on. We got government overreach. We got all the stuff. <laughs> and you said, you know why what? Why start there? I mean, I could get there. I would I would get away with it first. Yeah, you would. Right now. I yeah, would get away would. with it. And it would you also be, would. it would be such a tangle. It would be such a confusion. You'd be sitting, you know, saying to the white man, like, what, you going to do it again? You going to take it again? Right. <laughs> Politically brilliant. I don't just be rolling all federal ownership of every single thing in the state. Right. Not just national parks. Mm. No. Just rolling federal ownership. And that does turn into a giant strategic place from which you can fight anything. I would do it so You just that, got the feds out of your state. Yeah, I would do it yeah. so that I could actually do what I wanted about abortion. So yeah. I could do what I wanted about anything. Uh-huh. If you can do that move, which is if a I can beat, move. If, yeah. I, if you can beat the fed... Anywhere. So it's like mm-hmm. you're looking at this six foot ten beast and you say, Where what are you gonna try to hit? And you look at where his hands are and where his protection is, and you look at where he's totally exposed. Know, vulnerable. Yeah, where is he vulnerable? Let's go with a liver shot, shall we? Mm-hmm. Let's hit him in some really random, unexpected place. Where he's actually guilty. Yeah. What yeah. De- debilitating yeah. and where there's actual guilt and where Strategic you could actually say, Oh, you want to talk about reparations? Actually, <laughs> this is the kind of thing that could be done here. Because we have the treaty. Because there's a contract. To say that, here's the land. There's a yeah, contract. There's a contract. Mm. And then the freaking Dawes Act. And we still have the Nez Perce and, Indians yeah. right here. Right. Yep. And we have the Nez Perce contract. Exactly. And so, okay. So, yeah. That's I, I've got I, that, you've got that, I love that answer. I love that answer. It's really good. We got to talk about that. So, so <laughs> once you accomplish that, then what's the next play? <laughs> <laughs> What's the next that place? Is the, that is your last question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can play the music. You All right. Give him this answer and then. Then go home. Gosh. I mean, I think I'd probably start going after giant corporate interests that are all in bed with the state. Yeah. With next. Pharma right now. Uh-huh. Which is actually the. All of them. So in our, in our state, it's timber. It's power. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's mm-hmm. like it's these really big billion dollar things where yeah. the state and. So-called private enterprise are uh, playing a dirty game together. Right. Not not so private. Not so no. free. And I, yeah. that'd be the next thing. Yeah. 
Hey. I want to talk more about that. Get Re- shot. Repent. <laughs> I was going to say, you'll be dead that first one through. Repent the, of your flinches. It'd be the second one that got me killed. Oh, <laughs> the second crime scene? I don't know. The feds might take you out. You might be one of those, those uh, police officers then. Yeah. <laughs> Nate, thanks for coming on again. Yeah, I appreciate yeah, you, man. Yeah. Special the whiskey. Yeah, if man. you're single, get married. If you're married, have kids. And if you have kids, go baptize them. Until Sunday, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go fight. Laugh. And feast. This is cross politics. <laughs>